Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bluefish Design in Tempe, Arizona. Bluefish Design is a modern, full-service ad agency that can work with you on your logos, your branding, your interactive and digital media, whatever it takes to take your company to the next level. So look them up online at www.bluefish.com. That's B-L-U-F-I-S-H.com. And now for today's episode, we have a very special guest on to talk all about Arizona Cocktail Weekend, which is February 16th to the 18th here in Phoenix. Also talk about the USBG cocktails, the state of the beverage industry, and just about everything in between. So hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm so afraid of tipping something over. I'm very clumsy. I was um, at lunch a few days ago and I was like, one of my friends is there and I was like, she's a little awkward and I'm really clumsy. And I knocked over my glass of wine as I'm saying I'm clumsy. I was like, wow, that's... Yeah, that's usually how it works. Yeah. I'm the same way. I get a bunch of glasses in front of me, and all of a sudden, the more I start to drink, the more I start to swirl and swirl, and then all of a sudden, my <laughs> arm gets a little involved, and my elbow's a little bit closer to things, and I think I hit something, or I'll reach for something across and take everything out with me. Yeah, I, I, I have no depth perception when it comes to what's within a foot of my face, so mm-hmm. every time I'm drinking something, there's a 100% chance I'm going to hit somebody's glass, so like I'm wary about everybody putting things around me. I'm like, I'm going to be that guy, especially if I've yeah. never met him before. They're going to be like, yeah. this idiot always knocks something off and breaks some yeah. shit. Oh, no, I'm totally that person. Yeah. Just, I've just owned it at this point. I'm like, okay, this is going to be terrible, and that's just me. That's why I've been liking more of like for my winery. I took all my Riedels away, and I bought the stemless ones. Mm-hmm. I saved maybe a hundred plus glasses a year and at least 30 of them are from me breaking them so i know i'm doing well at this point yeah, yeah that maybe to start getting like some plastic things i've seen one that like it's yeah. now it's a cool like it's a tumbler and also a yeah. wine glass that you can almost basically lay it down it spins it sides it doesn't yeah. fall over it's like no, a counterweighted one it's like the the bozo the bozo the yeah the bozo Oh my God, did you ever have one of those as a kid? I totally did. Dude, I got one of those as a kid. It scared the crap out of me because I think one of the first horror movies I ever watched was Poltergeist and my parents thought it was hilarious so they kept putting clown crap around every now and then. My parents were really screwed up in a weird way. (laughs) I know your parents and I can see them doing that. I still have this thing. It's somewhere to this day. It's in a closet somewhere. It's a life-size clown that looked exactly like the one from Poltergeist and they used to leave it on my chair. Yeah, thanks guys. Now I have nightmares all the time when I watch uh, any clown-based movie. You're, you're talking about swirling the glasses earlier. My first ever... <laughs> I just did it with an agronomy. My, my, my first ever wine tasting was Devour, but before it was Devour. Mm-hmm. It was called West of Western, okay. and it was with Dave Johnson. Oh, wow. And yeah. it was my first month in the wine business, and my manager was like, Damien, will you please try all the wines and make sure that they're okay? Nothing's corked. So I'm like, sure. Grabbed the first one, poured a glass, went to swirl it, and it was a short glass, and I didn't realize. The wine all shot right out of it. <laughs> Shoulder to shoulder across my shirt, (laughs) covered me. I didn't have a backup shirt, so here I am now uh, at the festival, covered with wine. (laughs) Whoops. For now, after that, I decided I will always wear black shirts or red shirts or something like that to wine. Why do you think I always wear black? Yeah, that's actually yeah. It is really stupid that I never really thought about that. Like, always wear a really dark shirt because that's one thing I've like. All my employees will come in very first day they work is a light shirt. I'm like, (laughs) that's a terrible idea. Yeah, why don't you not do that? (laughs) Yeah, there's not enough uh, wine away on the planet to remove everything working one day at a winery, especially because we use those um, what are what are those things called? Not the Coravin, the Venturis, where it spins it and split, and they always miss. So it's guaranteed to spill it on them. (laughs) I mean, it's impossible to keep wine off you in the wine business. Yeah, at least liquor just. It doesn't really stain. At least I can't think of a lot of things that stain on. I don't know. Com- well, this Campari shirt. might. Yeah. Campari, yeah. Uh, vermouth. <laughs> I mean, the only thing maybe not the gin. I mean, maybe if you're drinking like a gin martini, 
you know. That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> but even a Martinez, you've got the sweet vermouth and you'll have a little bit of a pink stain speaking from experience here. Yeah. So and I'm also sure there's a few people out there that are like, I've definitely thrown up on myself from drinking. That stains some stuff too. Oh uh, yeah. That'll do that. <laughs> I mean, right now gin is getting super popular again. Oh yeah, my gosh. Is. I'm having a problem. Really? Oh, you, I, you had to sing it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think gin should be celebrated. And so, yeah, why not? It was Grandma's drink or grandpa's drink for kind That's of gin. Yeah, that was That's the impression growing up of what gin was. Mm-hmm. And then I got hooked on Tangeray and Sapphire in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of started drinking sapphire and tonics all yeah. the time, and then it got too piney for me. You know what's ironic? Bombay, I mean, I'm of Indian descent, so I find it ironic <laughs> that Bombay gives me a, like an instant headache. I can't really? even look at it. And I, I start getting a headache between my eyes. It's awful. I wonder what they're using in it that would make that happen. Especially with all the botanicals that go into it. Imagine like getting the weird allergy from the one random Yeah, it's like the drink. one random botanical in there. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, is, is there rules or laws, you know, if, as far as what they can use in it? Or they can they pretty much just use anything? I don't believe so. I don't think it's like bourbon where you have to have a certain amount of corn to wheat. Um, you know, it used to be that it had to be from Kentucky, but now bourbon can be from anywhere. But gin, I don't believe so. I think that it's a matter of botanicals and definitely there's a bit of a juniper feel to it. Although I will say I really like, have you had the Japanese gins that have been coming out? That's no, actually, I haven't seen any. Oh, Something, my I, Lord. I was just reading about the, the popularity of Japanese gins and vodkas now in the market. Mm-hmm. They're really, I mean, okay. I, again, I'm of Indian descent, right? So I'm all like, yes, go Asian people. <laughs> yes, I'm Asian. Or I, you know, whatever. But anyway, so um, yeah, so uh, Roku Jin is new from Centauri. Um, and I'm going to say it wrong, but Nika or Nika, um, their coffee whiskey has been a favorite of mine for a number of years, but their new gin and their whiskey, or I'm sorry, their new gin and the vodka, fantastic. And I- so hard to find. <laughs> I was going to say, I've had a few Japanese whiskeys recently that I thought were amazing, and it actually blew me away how good they were, so I'm intrigued to try some really good gin from that. Honestly, like a culture that really focuses and dedicates themselves to something could probably make some amazing liquors. Well, yeah. that's the Japanese. They're all about quality and craft. Yeah, when and you... they, they take something that's already good, and then they elevate it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, the Roku gin, I have... I tried it at Crujente Tacos, and I keep talking about the place, but seriously, some of the best tacos in town, hmm. if you haven't been. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty fantastic, and Jason has a, an amazing array of spirits there. And so I was on a gin martini kick. I'm still on it. Let me well, just admit that. I mean, do you know where Jason kind of got his start? Yeah. I mean, he was in the wine business. Yes. I mean, he was the guy. He founded Quench. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And now he has a taco place. And now he has a taco place. <laughs> and it's, yeah. That's a swing. <laughs> <laughs> but the their spirits program, I mean, they're doing some really great stuff. So. I wonder if people who focus a little bit more on like wine eventually get like an appreciation for subtleties and flavors and different things that eventually they branch into a new category. Because I've had a much bigger appreciation of scotch mm-hmm. a lot. That's been kind of one of my favorite go-to drinks recently. Really? And then ever since we went to Denver, we went to Leopold Brothers. Oh, yeah. And um, they took us on like a really cool tour, and they were talking about how they made things. And the second I had their, I think it was their springtime gin was the one we tried. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I immediately was like, oh, that's <laughs> how gin's supposed to be? Because growing up, and by growing up, I mean in like high school and college, we had like Beef Eater and Sapphire Mm-hmm. And some other just terrible plastic bottle oh, yeah. gin. You're like, gin. Oh, it's just yeah, it's the yeah. worst. I will say, I grew up in a home where there was no alcohol, and I was a vegetarian. I actually really? didn't drink until I was just about eighteen. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but, but when did you start eating meat? Uh, actually, it was probably the summer of my junior year. I had corrective jaw surgery, and um, I couldn't actually eat anything, but I needed protein, so... <laughs> I had a very, she's still like a sister to me, but oh. I had a very, very dear friend who would cook chicken and cook it up and then blend and it. blend it? Blend it, put it in a syringe and feed me. That's Ooh. love right there. That that's, is. That's really dead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think John would do that for me. I did it, I did it for a dog, so. <laughs> you did. I did. I kept my dog alive from Parvo by literally liquefying chicken water and wow. injecting it into, like, down his throat. Yeah. And then he would throw it up, have to do another one again. So, you know what, Damien, for you... No, I probably won't do it for you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> awesome. But if anybody has like any kind of you know wisdom teeth extraction, I'm your girl. I've got all those all right. recipes. Like this tastes the same. The texture is terrible, but <laughs> well, yeah, I can't imagine a meat smoothie is very oh, good. Oh, it's not, but it tasted like something which is better than well, it's better than starving. I feel like you yes. just buy baby food. Uh, you really? It, it was all like back then. Everything was sweet. So you just, uh, and I, I'm not a big sweets person. I really enjoy savory, bitter flavors growing up with Indian food and all that. So like spicy things too. Spicy. And honestly, to me, you know, a lot of people are always like, oh, Indian food's so spicy. I'm like, actually, it's really flavorful. You can make it spicy, but like my parents are older. They kind of shy away from spice now, like the, the heat of spice, but the food's still full of flavor and it's pretty freaking delicious. It was so. Thai food for me growing up. We always had really good Thai food and it was never spicy. And then I started getting more into spice. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. it's such like an extra flavor component that I've been liking more and more. Yeah. And then that's when you told me to point at Damien here is to uh, <laughs> drink Riesling or Gewürztraminer with Thai food. And it just totally changed my opinion on what you can drink with Thai food. Cause I, I wouldn't drink anything with yeah. spicy food. Cause I really hate that burn. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well if you throw a little sugary drink into there, it's amazing. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. I went to my friend's house for a very traditional Indian dinner a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was with his family. His mom was cooking and I was the only white boy there. <laughs> and it was really funny because after the food got served, it was on the table. He comes over and he puts some coconut milk next to me. And he's like, this is for you. And all the family starts laughing at me. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like thanks guys. It's like way to call me out. Oh, that's why we have a, like we have Raitha, which is like a yogurt. It's like savory yogurt and you can do a variety of different things with it, but it typically it's a savory yogurt and it's cold and it cools off your palate. So, um, it's perfect for in the middle of your meal and it complements the flavors. So you've got like, you know, ground toasted cumin, you can have like grated cucumber or like we like to do, um, steamed cauliflower and break that down in there. Um, but yeah, it complements it. And there's no, there's no shaming anybody at the table. You're just like, here's some raita because everybody else is having it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That was cool. I got a, for Sarah's, or for Christmas, I gave Sarah's dad, because he got into cooking real, uh, recently, mm -hmm. and I gave him this really thick, giant book of spices and where they came from. Oh, that's awesome. So it gives you everywhere from the world, from what comes from South America, North America, and all this stuff. And 60 plus percent of the book is just strictly that Southeast Asia, India area. It's yeah. just every single thing originated in that and then obviously got moved around the world. And mm -hmm. there's some really cool things I never even heard of. I don't even know if you can get some of them in the country. I'm sure there's some really we cool have stores that around. We get specifically from India um, because of the quality of it, as well as you can't get it here or it's so prohibitively, prohibitively expensive, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's and every every family has like their own blend of spices like our garam masala for our family is probably going to be different than the family down the street. So, um, like everybody has their own version of everything and, you know, people are like, oh, I, I, you know, 
I, I like to cook Indian food. I'm like, that's great. That's super broad because... That's like Italian food. Like, what style are you making? Are you right. making your, like, Northwest kind of French style? Are you making a more German sausage-based thing up in that Northeast area? Are you going buca de beppo and just doing nothing but red sauce and a thousand <laughs> pounds of pasta? Mm, that's always good, though. It's always a good way to go. <laughs> it's like every time I, my, my grandma would make dinner, she'd be like, oh, are you bringing your friends over tonight? Yeah, you know, there's going to be four of us. Oh, okay, so it's me, your grandpa, your three friends. She makes food for 65 people. Oh, yeah. Like, all right. My well, mother Exactly leftovers the same for a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if you're going to spend all day cooking, might as well have tons of leftovers for the week. I mean, and honestly, like Indian food, Italian food, any really any kind of food with lots of flavor and spices is always better the next day. Yes. Oh my gosh. Hands down. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. I, and I always joke about this and I even talk about it with Damien and he gets a little experience with it now that it's different was uh, my mom's side of the family is all Italian. So it was a lot of cooking. They made a, a whole day out of the family meal. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be six people in the kitchen, even though only one was warranted. So they all be yelling at no oh, yeah. dad this add this blah 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 but my dad's side of the family's all english so oh, it was boy. bland <laughs> like boiled chicken and boiled oh. cabbage and like flavorless this and flavorless that and i swear it was somewhere in my like when i was leaving for college when all of a sudden he's like well maybe if i add some spices and do this i'm like oh yeah you think <laughs> there you go now you can start making stuff yeah it, it is interesting though that even in england with you know their credo of like boil it until it has lost any characteristic <laughs> of ever being anything alive. Um, that you know, like dishes like chicken tikka masala, that's where that originated. Not Did from it really? India. Oh yeah, it's an English dish. It's an English dish. That's crazy to me because obviously with the East India Trading Company bringing everything over from mm-hmm. India up into England, it's amazing that the dishes I've had and this was traditional English and Welsh food mm-hmm. was bad <laughs> and yes. i'm being nice by saying but it was bland and basic and clearly just like their all their flavor of food was basically in their drinks yes so it's like we're gonna eat something terrible and then we're gonna drink all the flavor that we well, want that's why ipas like I, I think are so potent because it's like oh i can taste something yeah there's uh, actual flavor to it yeah <laughs> i think that trend is finally starting to die off oh, thank god oh, thank there's god. so I many people i know of that now are like i can't drink ipas anymore i'm over it i'm done i do like a nice ipa cast scotch like those have you had the um no. scotch ale or like a no scotch. scotch like so okay so glenfiddich i i have a love affair with glenfiddich um but they have an ipa cask huh. um which is fantastic and i think i want to say it's a 15 year i could be wrong i need i didn't research that before i came in here but yeah. um but basically it's like a 15 year old scotch and they uh age it for a year in an ipa cask and it's oh. like it has a you get the the essence of the bite of the IPA, but it's not not that, in your face piney. No, it complements the flavors in the scotch beautifully, and I would highly recommend you check it out. I like and, that. Yeah, because that sounds really cool. Is like the experiments that people are doing now are really fun. I mean, I'm definitely doing one right now. I have a Gewürztraminer. I'm dry hopping just because I'm gonna catch the tail end of this IPA and session IPA and all this stuff. Ooh. But I was at. And Damien, I don't know if I was with you, but we were at a bar recently and they had like 10 taps. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was with Sarah. They had 10 taps. Eight of them were IPAs. Eight. I actually sat there and was like, really? You have eight IPAs, one stout, and then one and Bud Light just to kind of tap it off. And the rest were all IPAs. And I'm like, why? Like, I don't want that. No. I want uh, like an option of drinks to have. And it was all, and there's ones I like, like Stone Ruination is one of my favorite beers, and mm-hmm. it's an IPA. Mm-hmm. But it might be the only one left now at this point that I'm like, all right, I don't want any more of this. Um, yeah. I'm not a big IPA fan and I'm not a huge beer drinker, um, which 
a lot of my friends is very ironic. They're like, really? No beer. <laughs> um, but the beers I do like are tend to be darker. They tend to be aged in bourbon barrels because that's more my style. And, and I don't want something where it's, I'm getting punched in the mouth. Um, I drink to enjoy, not to suffer. <laughs> see, I mean, maybe the next day. <laughs> see, I like to enjoy and imbibe, but I don't like to be wasted. And often when I drink cocktails, I end up just going too far or I, mm-hmm. get, I go, I get there too quick. Whereas yeah. I can drink beer and wine all day long and eventually I get there mm-hmm. where, you know, a couple of Negronis and before you know it, I'm <laughs> Fred staring a chair yes. in a corner. I think my dance moves are amazing. Oh, they, I have they not are. seen this. No. Oh. <laughs> well, there's a chair right there, so Fred Astaire might happen and a little later. And we are drinking Negronis. So, oh. <laughs> so, so Kirti, uh, let's actually introduce you and who you are and what, what you do. Oh, yeah, we probably should do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so my name's Kirti. Um, how do you, uh, first of all, how do you say your last name? Duivedi. Okay. And it, actually, my first name is Kirti. It's a soft T, but I'll accept Kirti. Um, but Curdy, no, <laughs> no, instant death glare and your face might melt off from okay. hatred. Uh, but yeah, so I, um, am a marketing consultant. I have a, a marketing agency called Dia Marketing, um, and specialize in food and beverage. Um, Arizona Cocktail Week is, uh, one of my biggest clients and we have a freaking blast. It's also one of the most exhausting weekends of my entire life. Now it's only now a weekend not a full week at least it's a weekend thank goodness my liver is very grateful so um it's february 16th to the 18th and uh we have you know brand driven seminars and events all during the day and then we have three signature events we um starting on february 16th which is saturday we have cocktail jam over at uh the van buren um we've got two djs headlining we've got dj degentrification uh opening for dj z trip and then we have uh- I'm sorry. Did you just say DJ degentrification? Degentrification. <laughs> you have to pause before you say that. Yeah, you can't say it too uh, quick. <laughs> I mean, I, can, I typed it out a bazillion times because I plan out all the content for Cartel Weekends uh, for social media. So, so then are they going to have a number of like crazy like craft cocktails featured yeah, for that? Yeah, so we have 30 premium, a little over 30 premium brands that are coming out there and they're, they basically bring their A game. So uh, Kettle One, for example, that last year they had um, dry ice vodka martinis and caviar, which was awesome. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, make, uh, Knob Creek and Maker's Mark, I mean, basically like smoky smoked cocktails like right there in front of you which is awesome um we had uh i think there was a wild hibiscus company and they were doing hibiscus cocktails like so everything has like it's like a very elevated activation so they're really bringing their a game you get as part of your ticket price you get 10 samples of the cocktails to check them out um is this just going to be at this dj thing or is this going to cover the entire weekend no that's going to be for that particular event um and then sunday the 17th we have top bars which we have bars from all over the world actually they're coming in we have a bar from greece we have bars from colombia england all over the country um coming in and they basically bring their signature cocktails and recreate like a mini experience for you was this the one they did and I think they had this at the Valley Ho one year where they had all the bars yep. set up. And yeah, because they had yeah. what, like rabbits and uh, dead, rabbit. dead rabbits yep. and yeah, employees Angel. only. Yeah, that yep. was awesome. That was such a fun event, man. It was yeah. really cool going around because they all had what, like three cocktails yep. you get to try and sample around. Yeah. That was a really fun event. Oh, it's a great event. And now they do it at the Quaff downtown, which it's more open and more spread out. So so everything's being centralized downtown Phoenix yeah. this year? Yeah, we've, we've brought everything the second year, bringing everything downtown from Scottsdale. Which so it used been, to be around the Valley Ho, right? It used to be at the center 
at the Valley Ho. And so it's kind of changed a lot in that we used to have a lot of seminars during the day that were all a part of, they were all presented by Arizona Cocktail Week. And now, you know, they're, now they're brand driven. So you can choose like, you know, if there's a spirit or if there's a brand that you like to follow, like Azunia Tequila, um, like they're working with Earn Your Boost to do a weekend to kick off the, all the festivities, which they're like, we want you to come. I was like, I'll come take photos. <laughs> Hi. I will absolutely do all the social media for this. I do. T- I do about 26,000 steps a day. Dang. Um, and that's not including when my poor account manager has to join me for the signature <laughs> events in the evenings. So. so so, your company, it's your company. Yes. How m- do you have multiple employees or one or two or three? I have um, three account managers that um, they, you know, basically we, we work with, I work with the clients and establish a strategy and set everything up um, in regard to depending on if they want to do media relations, I don't do straight up PR where I'm, I'm coming up with ideas and pitching. But if somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I'm looking for something, you know, what are you offering for the Phoenix Open? Or what are you offering for, you know, Super Bowl weekend? You know, so we'll create stuff for that. But I'm not actively saying, hey, guys, let's do this. You know, there are people that are very, very good at that in town. And, and I kind of push that on them. Okay. Uh, but Basically, do media relations and a lot of digital media outreach, social media strategy, um, and engage with people that way. And it's a lot of fun. So, See, I mean, it's a lot of work. I, I knew you were in marketing. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew you had your own company, but for some reason, I always thought you still worked for somebody else, too. And I didn't realize it was yeah. this is what you did. And yeah, it's been 10 years. I just thought you were an influencer. You were just a socialite here in town. <laughs> oh, I'm a socialite. That's so fancy. Well, it was funny was that my brother was in town and we it's went. Scottsdale, man. There's a lot of those out uh, here. Yeah, there's well, a lot of influencers here in town. Well, my brother was in town a few months ago and we were heading up to Bitter and Twisted. Mm-hmm. And I said, I was like, I'll bet you we bump into my friend. Kirti. Mm-hmm. Is it how I want to pronounce it correctly finally? Okay, it's Kirti. It's a soft Ki- T. Kirti. Kirti. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, like you've been to Italy enough. You, yes, you got, you got soft ex- Accentuate the, the first yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, not the second half. And in the English language, we accentuate the second half of a word. Right. Kirti versus Kirti. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You got it. And John can't pronounce anything. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. (laughs) So I can pronounce Indian stuff and nothing else in this world. I tell people too, like my last name stresses people out. And I'm like, if you don't think about it, if you just say it, it's way easier than if you try to enunciate each syllable because then people get really stressed out. Like I was at Nordstrom a couple weeks ago and there was this lovely older woman and she looked at my name and she was like, how do I say it? I'm like, how deer do you in a think? headlight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was no. like, how do I say it? I said, how do you think you say it? And she said it perfectly. And she's like, oh my God, I did it on the first try. I said, yes, this is what, don't, don't stress. It's, it's fine. funny. I'm the same. I get so excited when I pronounce something, <laughs> what I think is right. And then I look right at Damien and he's just shaking his head like, no, dude, that's, <laughs> that's not even close. See, here's the problem. Now you're going to try and say it again and then you're going to totally butcher I am it. never going to say your last name. I will always go by your first name. <laughs> we'll do that at the end of the episode. We'll start <laughs> a few more drinks on you and we'll try that. Oh, okay. Just write it out and we'll be like, all right, let's take a shot at this. <laughs> and take a shot, you know. Well, I mean. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> of course we're going to do that. <laughs> As we should. So so your company is... So I, my agency is called Dio Marketing. Okay. Um, and, and where'd you come up with that name? Uh, so when I started my company, I had been uh, laid off uh, right before the economy tanked back in 2008. And oh, so good timing to start your own great business. Great timing. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And so I was out to drinks with a friend of mine. And he said, you know, why don't you try doing this on your own? He's like, you know, regardless of you know, what you're looking at doing. He's like, people still need marketing. He's like, yes, it's overhead, but he's like, it's necessary overhead. So, um, and I've always wanted to. So it was the perfect chance to just take the leap because at that point, you know, people were like, 
oh, well, I can hire you on a commission-only basis. I'm like, what the heck am I going to earn commission on on yeah. marketing? So, um, so yeah, I thought about it, and I sat down and came up. You know, I started, like, writing stuff out and strategizing for myself, which is always kind of interesting. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I came up with Dia Marketing. And Dia in Hindi and Sanskrit means light, hope, and prosperity. Oh, um, it's cool. a flame. And so like Diwali and things, the festival of lights, we light Dias. And so at that time, I think it was really appropriate. Um, we all kind of needed some light and some hope. And um, yeah, I basically started off with absolutely no idea of what I was going to do. And luckily... You know, landed with some clients, and I used to work in commercial real estate and doing marketing and business development, and have always loved food. And then a year or so later, I got in a car accident with my then boyfriend, um, and it was bad. Like I had a concussion. I still have some chronic pain issues from it. Um, but oh, so it was a real holy shit accident. Yeah, we were driving. We basically had decided that we would go our separate ways. He had moved back to California after he had lost his job. Um, again, because of the economy. Yeah. And so the night, like that Sunday night, we decided, okay, we'll go our separate ways. It was totally amicable. Um, we're driving to the airport. It's 7, 10 in the morning. We're in the HOV lane on the 51, and an 80-year-old man drove into the passenger side of the car, which is where I was sitting. And I have a terrible karma joke on that one. <laughs> <Wow>. Bring it on. <laughs> no, it was just mostly just the fact that karma was going to get used on this one. <laughs> That's a terrible way to end. Like, all right, we're breaking up amicably, and then your car gets basically accordioned. Right. <laughs> yep. So, and uh, yeah, we I, we ended up continuing to date because I was such a mess after it. But what ended up happening? Stuck around, hung out, took care of you. Well, he actually flew back <laughs> because I we were both so discombobulated. The car was drivable, um, but I think we were both so thrown off by everything that happened in the previous twelve hours that you know. And then he came back that weekend, and um, he's a good he's a good person it's i think just a lot was happening at that point in time <laughs> and so uh just during that time i wasn't working and i couldn't um and so a friend of mine suggested that i get on twitter and i didn't know what i was doing and i would tweet out like marketing tips which who i cares? still don't know what i'm doing on twitter but hey i'm happy to help, help you <laughs> out i don't think so. anybody knows what they're doing on twitter and then all of a sudden one day they do the right thing and blows up and like okay now i know what well, i'm doing i think the biggest thing is that people don't think about is that you're essentially building a community and so yeah. you, you know if i came to you and you didn't know me and i was like hi here's a marketing tip. You'd be like, what, what the, the hell, hell is wrong with this person? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, like, go home. Go away. Get out of my establishment, right? Like, is, but you have to, if you, and I hate saying this because I feel like it's like when people say blessed, I'm like, yeah, okay, blessed. Hashtag blessed, yeah. Yeah, hashtag blessed. I roll my eyes. You know, authentic, authenticity takes you a long way and um, just kind of being yourself. And I think people think that they need to be a certain way, especially in now it's Instagram. You know, Twitter was not necessarily a visual platform. It's very much a, a written word platform. And so I just remember I was driving to an appointment and I was stuck behind this really nice Benz and it was going 12 miles below the speed limit. And I was like, I just want to get to my destination. I had a potential client meeting in Chandler, like way far away. So it was like a 45 minute drive and I was stuck behind this car. And so I got to my destination and kids, if you are Snapchatting or if you are Instagram <laughs> video chatting or whatever, I will call you out. Just saying. Anyways, so I got to my destination and I tweeted, why would you spend over $100,000 on a car if you're going to drive 12 miles below the speed limit? Hashtag road rage. <laughs> and people started tweeting back to me. And sharing it maybe. And yeah, and sharing it. And like, yeah, totally. Like, I was like, oh. 
there's a balance. Yeah, so I started understanding. And at that time, like, Phoenix was really kind of, you know, there was a lot of people that had been affected by the economy and the recession and um, people trying to kind of find their way. And uh, needed an outlet. Needed an outlet, needed a way to connect with people. Um, And especially, like, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you have all these friends built in. And a lot of people were suddenly working on their own, had no coworkers, you know, no place to like really socialize or congregate. And I feel like that was a really nice like baseline for a lot of people to come together in Phoenix. So. I mean, the social media thing is very, it's not new to me, but it is new to me because Mm -hmm. I've always had, you know, maybe like Facebook and some things like that. Yeah. However, I've never truly put myself out there. And this is the first time I'm truly putting myself out yeah, there. Yeah, like, you really are. What, you what, have gone false to wall put listen, yourself out there. Yeah, we're not sharing that picture. <laughs> no, no, It's not don't. a good picture. No, we don't nobody like needs to see those photos. So, but I mean, as far as Instagram and Twitter and I mean, the podcast and the website and the blog and everything like that. And I'm giving people an insight into my life and your life and what we do. A and, little bit of who you are. As a person. I've always kind of kept that mysterious side of me. And we've known each other for a long time. We have known each other for a long time. 10 plus years, maybe? I want to say, yeah. It's just about time. I I met you at an event at (laughs) Wolf Sub-Zero. Oh, my. You were with Susie Tim. Yep. That was probably 2010. And it was, yeah. Yeah. I had (laughs) just gotten in the wine business. Is that the thing up at the Scottsdale Airport? Yeah. Yep. uh, I forgot why I was pouring wine for something up there. And we got talking and chatting. and. Yep. The Thanksgiving event. I think the that's what it was. The wine pairing for yep. Thanksgiving. Because, yeah, that was when Susie was with her previous company, too. So, yeah, it's, it was amazing because Susie and I met through Twitter. Um, and Twitter, so I used to teach a class. I was an adjunct professor, which still cracks me up. Uh, but I used to teach social media for uh, business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where was this at? Uh, it was through Maricopa Community Colleges. Uh, uh, but I, I was way in the West Valley. So I was at Estrella Mountain off of Dicer. Holy crap. That is out there. That is out there. It's up yeah. at like the military base, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's uh, at Dicer and the, the 10. We didn't have that as a college course when I went to school. Like social no. media wasn't a thing. I mean, the internet wasn't a thing. I'm old. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, no. so, well, definitely when you didn't have it. And I don't know how old you are, but so I, I'm 32. And Facebook came out, I think, that year I went to college for the first time. And they were like, you had to sign up and you could only use your school email. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't do anything other than just comment on somebody's status or whatever it was. I don't even remember what it was at the time. It was just like, hey, what are you doing today? That's what I'm doing. And then maybe your friend might call you and be like, oh, I saw on Facebook that you're bored. Let's go eat Chipotle or something. Oh, yeah. No, it was like the away message on AOL. Yeah. I mean, so I'm 41. And so I started college right when the internet came out and it was literally like you had the the bing bong bong and like if your roommate picked up the phone you were kicked off the internet yes you know um and i just i remember i got my first computer when in 97 i had a gateway Yes. Was it? Awesome. Was that the green screen with the, the no. little cows? The little no, no. the gateways had like gateway the, the, the right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a color monitor. No, I had the I had the green monitor for my Commodore sixty four. That's what it was. Yes. <laughs> I only remember it because I think I could only play Oregon Trail on it at the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I used to play Montezuma's Revenge. That I've played Montezuma's Revenge a couple times in Mexico, yeah. and I don't think there's any winners in that game. No, that's not the same. <laughs> 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 Although everyone is green, much like mon- my monitor. <laughs> I mean, our lives would probably be a lot different. I'm the same age as you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a year older. And they didn't have a college course, like I said, for no. social media marketing. My life might be very different now if they'd had that. I yeah. mean, 
I mean, it, it completely, for me, it's completely changed my life. And Twitter has completely changed my life. And, and so when I would teach my class, when I would start the, the semester, you know, go over everything, and I would say, I was like, you know, Facebook is for people you used to know, Twitter is for people you're supposed to know, and Instagram is Twitter for people who can't read. Oh. Wow, I'm yeah. going to write that down. <laughs> oh, that one, that one just messed with my. You brain haven't copyrighted this, have you? I, I, I might need to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, somebody else invented something for the TV or for the podcast this time, right? <laughs> yeah, but li- literally, we invent something on every show, like I think something it's random. Great. I mean, whether it's wine facts, like where your wine comes from, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. yeah. Terrible t-shirt slogans. Yeah. I'm all about terrible t-shirt slogans. I won't wear them. But, but I definitely I want them on them. t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I totally oh, hey, appreciate I that. them. I've always appreciated restaurants that do the fun t-shirts in town. Ra has always had really fun ones mm-hmm. about like, you know, their sushi and... Yeah. Um, where were we? We're just Cold, beer, cold beer and cheeseburgers has yes. show me your tips. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pig and Pickle, which is one of my clients. I full love disclosure. Pig and Pickle. Me too. So they have Chicks Dig the Belly. That all the guys wear. Ooh, yeah. I like that. That's <laughs> awesome. I like that. Yeah. So I dig. I dig their their tongue in cheek. Like um, when you get your check, it says um, bacon gives me lardons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna bring that up. Brandon Casey has a shirt that says bacon gives me a lardon. I haven't yeah. seen that one. I love dumb stuff like that because it's really funny. And you know the person who thought of that like one sentence looked at somebody and went, let's put that on a t-shirt. And the yeah. person who appreciates it, you want to make that person your friend. You're yeah, like, totally. Right. Yeah. When they laugh, you're like, we're on the same page. No, my yeah. favorite is when you sh- you're laughing at like, especially if it's like a food or a booze related thing. And I'm like, this is really funny. And they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, oh, no, I got to go. No. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be spending time here. I have to go. <laughs> so, so, so with Cocktail Week, are you required then to go to every event? Uh, kind of. I will say like... I have been involved with Cocktail Week, uh, Cocktail Weekend, um, since 2012. Uh, I used to volunteer, and it was very much my goal at that point to get have Cocktail Weekend become a client. And it's been awesome because it's my third year going in, second year in downtown Phoenix. Um, and yeah, I definitely try and be at every event um, that I can. But during the day, it's just me. Um, I don't. I know how exhausting it is, and I don't want my my poor account manager who does the work with me to get tired, but she's amazing. And she, now that we have a lay of the land and now that we understand how everything's working downtown Phoenix and where we need to be and what we need to do, you know, like today we actually had a meeting today and sat down and mapped it all out. Like, this is where I need you to be for whatever. This is why I need you to be looking for. And she's awesome. So, you know, that gives me a little time. Like it gives me a little dip of downtime around five or six o'clock where I have like an hour to myself. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the best hour ever. Actually got to sit down, take your shoes off, and just take a breather. Yeah, and I suck down Starbucks cold brew or <laughs> pressed coffee now. I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, like I just suck down cold brew and like get ready, and it's totally silent, and it's the best the best hour of my day. But I will say I love Kato Week, and I love the community. Like that's really why... I got involved on this side of things. We have something special going on here in Phoenix when it comes to the cocktail culture. Yeah. Um, you've traveled a lot too for yeah. research and development, see what's going on around the country, around the world and other places. Where do you think we lie in the cocktail culture in the country? Like, I, You know what? I think we're kind of in a unique place because we're not a huge city. We, we're a big city, yes, geographically, it's for like sure. the biggest suburb in America, basically. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I want to see more stuff in the West Valley, to be perfectly honest, but it's getting there. Slow and steady. But I think that by doing things well, the shining stars shine brighter. 
um, you know, like counterintuitive was doing some really innovative stuff. You know, we've got undertow now as a result, bitter and twisted is consistently, I know that when I go in there, I'm going to have an amazing experience and now little rituals. Have you been? No, I took my employees on a, uh, so one of, one of the girls who used to work for me, uh, she was moving, uh, back to Maryland Mm -hmm. and nobody had ever been there. So I was like, all right, we're going to go there one night. So I took them down. I was like, listen, we got like a $400 budget. We'll hit these five places because they expect it to go like we're going to do a restaurant here. We're going to do this. We spent like probably off like four or five hundred dollars at that place. They even got the little bathtub with the ducks in it because they want to try yeah. it. And these aren't cocktail drinkers. These are people who like to drink shots and follow it up with a beer. Yeah. And they were like, oh, I got to try that. Holy crap. I love that. Now I got to try that. And they were going through this menu. And this is at the time when they're doing the Mad Hatter, the yeah. Alice in Wonderland. thing. Yes. And they walked out of there like, holy crap. Like I, I had never seen or had booze like this before. And I was like, I know it's just, you can see it. Cause most of the people that work for me are between the ages of like 21 and 26 basically. Mm-hmm. So they've never had the chance to have a really, really, really good cocktail. And yeah. most of the times I saw like my winery is in old town, Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. So people will ask me where to go. And I would say, you know, go check out like a cashmere a citizen mm-hmm. public house. Um, there'd be a few other, like other really good craft cocktail bars in that area. And now I'm kind of shooting people to different sides of the city that they're on. Yeah. So where are you at? Oh, well, I live down in Chandler. Cool. Go check out um, uh, the ostrich down there in that area. The Brickyard. Brickyard. Uh, Oh, well, I'm in downtown. Well, obviously, you've got Bitter and Twisted. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like I can point to that. My only downside is, and we talked about this before on the podcast, is everything's so spread out. It is. I mean, basically, if you're going out to one part of town, you're staying in that part of town. town. I remember um, it was, I had a friend in town, and so it was right around the holidays, and so we went to Bitter and Twisted and it was when the cityscape had the ice skating rink yes. set up and so she wanted like so I was like let's go see that and then Pig and Pickle was having their anniversary party mm. and we took an uh, we took an Uber or Lyft out to Pig and Pickle which is in South Scottsdale and our driver was so angry because you had to me. go the whole distance I have to drive you this far I was like you could have not accepted the ride you know like the, that's you had to put in your destination it's and, funny you say that thing about the Uber because you know, I, I, people who come out here are so used to cheap and expensive Uber rides. And like, oh, we're staying up at the Western Kirlin up in, you know, yeah. in, in Skyset. But we were told we really got to go to a Bitter and Twisted. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. that's going to get expensive. You're better off staying in this. And they go, no, we have to. I'm like, okay, there's going to be like a $40 Uber yeah. ride, depending on what time of the night you take it. Right. And they're blown away. They're like, wait a minute, what do you mean it's that far? I said, distance wise, yeah. you're talking a 35, 45 minute drive. Oh, yeah. And, and they're like, blown away by it. You can say Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix can go far and wide i mean i had a yeah i had a friend who's like oh you know i'm looking at this hotel when i come and stay like when i come out to phoenix and like can we hang out and i was like uh that's like 59th avenue almost at happy valley holy crap yeah yeah like no i'm not gonna even see you i don't want to like i don't want to drive out there my my buddy's coming out to visit and he's like oh we have a a frisbee golf tournament in fountain hills can i get there from your place i'm like yeah it's a 40 minute drive yeah yeah it's so spread out and i think people don't really realize you know i had a friend recently who reached out to me on twitter and was like you know hey like i have a relative who's coming out to scottsdale like i said can you find out what part of scottsdale so then i can give you proper recommendations versus just like all of scottsdale and like godspeed yeah. So <laughs> we had we had some friends that were staying up at the boulders and you know from yeah if you're in old town scottsdale you have to drive to the freeway then back to scottsdale and drive up and that's 45 minutes otherwise yeah. you're coming straight down yeah 
And so they were at our winery. They came straight from the airport. They came by the winery. It was hanging out saying, oh, it's a great time. You know, you got to go check out whether it was an Atlas or Cell or mm -hmm. Nona or one of these awesome restaurants right there. And they said, yeah, we can't wait, but we want to go drop our bags off first before we come back and have food. And I said, uh, Aww. that's not really going to work. And they go, well, the hotel can't be that far. There's like, it's still in Scottsdale. I'm like, you don't no. realize that is a long way up. Once you're up there, you're up there. You're yeah. dedicated to I mean, that like area. You get on the freeway and like you approach Scottsdale and it's like Scottsdale next 22 exits. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. And then, oh, by the way, if you get off Scottsdale Road, you got another 20 minutes north of you on right. a regular street. Oh my God. I had a media dinner. Uh, Keeler's Steakhouse just opened up in Carefree and I love their stuff. It like their steaks and whatever. And I love the family they're fantastic yeah. paul and, and matt are great and so i accidentally went to the old market street location which is at dc ranch i was at my parents house surprise drove to dc ranch realized <laughs> i was at the wrong place and then had to drive 25 minutes north of there and i was like this is awful yeah. yeah it's the worst day ever i guess like maybe long term it might be okay only because if you think of the pockets that things are in at yeah. least the pockets are kind of centralized like everything stays in old town or that north scottsdale or that mm -hmm. old town chandler kind of area or yeah. in this case of downtown at least you're in the downtown and area. arcadia yeah arcadia is we're getting up more arcadia. pockets i was gonna bring that I up i do pockets. appreciate the arcadia light i mean that is my i love that i call it arcade because i grew up in arcade i went to arcadia, arcadia high light. school i'm from arcadia <laughs> and i will tell you people who live in arcadia hate arcade oh, like I, know. I lived in arcadia i'm from between that 44th street pocket yeah. all the way to 68 street and yeah. they're like meanwhile we're over here and there's a place there's a what's this little store right over here i think it's the bar and they're like oh yeah. arcadia farm and market and we're on 24th street now oh no there's <laughs> have you seen the little signs above the street signs it says arcadia light does it still yeah <laughs> totally That's awesome yeah, like like right at 34th street mm -hmm. and indian school like there are yeah. signs that say arcadia light i'm like uh, yes yeah, i mean you, you got undertow and you know bar pesh now yeah bar pesh and, and uh, beckett's I mean, table i will say nook i always i do nook. love nook. i mean even the, the, the whining pig people mm -hmm. like there's a lot of cool you could actually stop and go to like five or six places oh walking. totally and end okay. night at dilly dally Yes. Come on now. Well, are we talking new Dilly Dally or back in the day cement I mean, slash carpet about, Dilly Dally? I, I remember when I would walk in and my high heels would get stuck on that carpet because it was so foul. I Ooh. remember walking <laughs> in there. I looked on the ground and I went, how does cement and carpet become one at the same time? It's kind like, of that's like not how, possible. You ever hear about, it's terrible, so not PC, but like how Man. really fat people who don't move off of a couch and their skin fuses to the couch. <laughs> That's no, how I, yeah, I that, that was my mental association with the, the Do you watch some late you watch late night TV? Uh sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I also do late night Twitter, which is <laughs> kind of horrifying. Yeah, probably. Go down some crazy rabbit holes on that, I'm sure. Oh, I love yes. the shitty, shitty dive bars of Arizona sometimes. So Dilly Dally's was the one. It was the one place I went to where their one tap handle was only Budweiser. <laughs> not sure if that keg was 10, 20, 30 years old. Not really sure if they ever cleaned it. Didn't matter, I was gonna drink it. Yeah. And this is before the remodel. It's awesome now. Yeah. But then there was a little lady who came in the back, this little Mexican lady came in and was selling burritos to everybody. Yes. And they would just oh like my cool gosh. And throw it in the microwave. And you're like, what the fuck is going Have on? Have you been to well, Shady's? Shady. Shady's okay, my, my spot. My favorite crap bar is uh, the Roadrunner. Oh my. <laughs> oh yeah. The Roadrunner is an experience I think a lot of people need to have. Uh -huh. And I've drank in there constantly. And it's always Brandon Casey that I end up going to these crappy bars with. <laughs> have you been to, so I used to live up by uh, Paradise Valley Mall. Which is, you know, oh a yeah, ghost I used town. to live up there, right on Cactus and Tatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is so. such a dead spot, but has so much potential. Oh yeah, I mean, and and there's stuff. I mean, it's it's definitely. I loved it when I moved there. I lived there. 
so, like so pig it's so pig or so uh, salty sow salty sow thank yep. you yeah that mm-hmm. one's good yeah it's really good the one um, of the best sushi joints was tucked in that nook right behind uh, uh yes yeah, so sushi yes oh so good so, so good. good um but paradise lounge it was my spot like paradise lounge where was that at oh my gosh it's in the strip mall with it's next to party city between Steinmart and Party City. Oh, it's, I know what you're talking about. On the south corner. side of the street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in a corner in a oh, strip mall. Oh, I know mall. exactly what you're talking about. Right by the Baskin Robbins. Yes. Yeah, there should never awesome. be a corner in a strip mall. Like, it's a corner, like, indented in the middle of the strip mall. Uh, yeah. And I don't think that place had windows. Uh, They have a window. A window. A window. And like, the, barely a frame of a yeah. window. <laughs> and Those are the best bars. They have a, this, their smoking area. Their quote-unquote smoking area. It's like a prison yard. Like, literally, it's covered. <laughs> And chain link fence and like there's like the big box TVs on mounts. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. God, I, lo- I love places like that, oh, man. It's only time it. you walk in there and you're like, God, I'm so uncomfortable. This is great. <laughs> oh no, I love that place. I will tell you. So like, um, I used to go there. So when I was doing my online dating crap, <laughs> <laughs> is that where yeah. you used to take people? That was the meeting spot. The yeah, meeting if spot. I well, no, if they were okay, I would take them there because the bartender there, Dee Dee, was amazing, and so she'd be like, "Yes or no," and she was like, "No," I'd be like, "Bye." Was and that the super old lady who worked there? No, uh, no, I know the super old lady. She's not there anymore. There's always one super old lady that works at those kind of bars, and they're so mean, and yes. they really don't have time for anybody's shit. Yeah, but there's always that like, one, and they lady. don't give you enough ice because God forbid they have to refill the ice. <laughs> they, they roll their eyes if you. <laughs> ask for, for anything, anything else yeah. anything i will tell you so i moved away from there three and a half years ago i will walk in and dd's Dee got my drink my dive bar drink is bullet rye with a splash ginger ale all right and one of their big giant water glasses with two straws because they have super the yes thing they're plastic straws it's a dive bar uh, sorry guys i do carry my own stainless steel straws now but <laughs> it would always be a glass of water with two of the teeny straws that she had and I will walk in there even now, and she will clear people away from my favorite seat, and my drinks are there. Now, is that seat sturdy enough, or is it like missing a couple screws? No, the it's actually... Torn, <laughs> about to, you question whether it's actually going to hold anything or not. There's a few of those. There's definitely a few of those, but they're usually in the corner. I've never had more experiences where I actually had to get up from something I was sitting on because it was so uncomfortable than a dive bar, because you sat down, you're like, nope, there's no padding, that's just straight my wood. My favorite is when you sit on a leather... like the pleather chairs and it's cracked and you like scrape your leg (laughs) like ow what oh i'm bleeding yeah (laughs) and you're like oh i'm bleeding from a dive bar fall into like the one part that's been used forever because there's no structural frame to support it so you just kind of disappear into the nook of the booth (laughs) dirty drummer used to be that way and i grew up on dirty drummer my dad was like that's where i always went was dirty drummer and back in the day sugar shack Mm -hmm. and dirty drummer was always everything was wood Real old was so it held the smell of like people who smoked fifty years ago was, was still like, in there kind held of a place. The smell of smoke and ass. A lot of ass. <sighs> a lot of ass in dive bars. So <laughs> much ass. But I mean, yeah, but we all know people that love to go to these places. Oh yeah, it's such I mean, a weird thing. But there is thing. a comfort level in a d- good dive bar. But like she nailed it. If you go into some special cocktail bar, hoity-toity place. They're, they're like, oh, hey, there's no chairs for you, but I'll get you a drink. But you walk into a dive bar, you're like, no, my family's here. Yeah. Like, you you so build up a camaraderie. And welcomed at the same time. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, my 40th birthday party uh, held it on a Friday, and, well, my friends are old. So everybody pooped out by, like, 10 o'clock. And I was like, it's my 40th birthday. It's a Friday night. And so we went and grabbed – we were at the Fairmont uh, at Toro, which is – if you haven't eaten there, oh, so uh, good. if I might say, they're, it's a great rum bar. 
it's a great rum bar, and their brunch is freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ever up there, I mean, obviously not this week because madness. <laughs> it's crazy. Up yeah. There. But um, with the Phoenix Open and whatever. But I will say their brunch is fantastic. Absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, we left there. We went to the, 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 I think they call it the Plaza Bar now. Used to be the Stone Rose Lounge. And uh, we ended up at P Lounge, and it was great. So I walked in in the evening gown, and they were like, what's the, what's the occasion? What? Like, it's my birthday. <laughs> and shots were had, and it was spectacular, and I got kicked out at last call. It was great. Arcadia's got two good ones. You've got TT's and TJ's. Those are always good. It's a TJ, a TJ. JT's. JT's, thank JT's you. JT's has, JT's has amazing the wings. wings? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Wings are amazing. TT's yeah. is occasionally... You, you definitely have the thought that you might get beaten up if you go yes. in there at the wrong time because they yeah, got some cool bar wrong, I'm yeah. like, uh... but it's like right here in Arcadia. It's such a cool little spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. See, for yeah. me, it was the Rogue Bar when we lived Rogue, over there, oh my which God, is closing. God, I, I know. They I just announced that. What? I love that place. Yeah, used to do uh, make pyramids out of Pabst pyramids? Blue, out of Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> it was two dollar cans. Hey, can we talk about like how did PBR <laughs> become famous? Like fantastic again because everything goes through that circular phase where it's like fashion yes or even i think about toys you mm-hmm. know there's a lot of guys right now and girls that grew up with certain toys and now they want to they want those again yeah and for me i turned 16 my father goes boy i'm gonna tell you the same thing my dad told me when i turned 16 there's beer in the fridge help yourself and the fridge was a filled with Pat's Blue Ribbon. Wow. Like, that's what he drank. And of course, I didn't drink it because I was like, oh, it's kind of gross. Oh, beer. That kind of beer. Uh, but, but there's a nostalgic feel to it. Just like for yeah. me, for me, my, my Transformers and my G.I. Joe action figures or Nintendo from back in the day, Mario Brothers or Mario oh, Kart. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a Nintendo Switch? It's, I don't. <sighs> but this, this is, <laughs> that's that nostalgic thing. So yeah. I think that's why it, PBR had this dramatic comeback. Rebirth. Yeah. yeah, and it's all a certain generation. Plus, the hipsters want stuff from 20 years ago. And <laughs> I really should have held on to my Atari. I'm a yeah. little bummed I didn't. So. There's a lot of things from my childhood I really wish I held on to. I mean, yeah. I still have all my Star Wars figures. I still yeah. have certain I things. I saw my Sega Genesis from the early 90s. Awesome. Uh-huh. Madden 93. I learned everything about the NFL on that game. So from Madden 93. Mm-hmm. And NHL 94. So. See, we used to play all those through college, and like uh-huh. we were younger, and... Those are still fun games if you play them nowadays. And oh, I know. It's I, just, they're not as realistic graphic-wise, but oh, so fun. But they were actually probably more playable because they were easy. Yes. Nowadays, you have too many buttons, too many things going on. Oh, I'm and terrible. I have no three idea. Three buttons, nice yeah. and easy, or two buttons, nice no, and that's easy. That's why I like when the Nintendo Wii came out in 2008 or seven. I was like, yes, finally a game that I can understand. Nice <laughs> and easy. And that's why it became super popular for parties, people that weren't yeah. normal gamers, people are, you know, we bowling and we tennis and oh i have a childhood friend who he's a hedge fund manager and he was one of the first to buy into the nintendo wii because when we were growing up he sucked at video games terrible like we play super mario brothers not good (laughs) and um but he went to um the electronics show in vegas every january and he went and he was like i played it and i could play it invested all this money and bam what's up big money yeah nice yeah i can't wait for virtual gaming rooms to become a thing because then everybody's going to be amazing at certain games they were terrible at like (laughs) if you were bad at a basketball you're the worst nba player nba 2k or nfl guy or madden (laughs) yeah no they're just the worst all of a sudden you actually get them in a room and all of a sudden they're the best player ever because they can actually do the motions of something yeah people are going to get violently hurt though when they start playing like call of duty games (laughs) or whatever rolling around and hurting something oh i can do that just with 
like Mario Party. So <laughs> oh, Mario Party and uh, Mario Kart always results in somebody being pissed off at the end. <laughs> oh, but it's amazing. The virtual the virtual reality uh, videos crack me up of like the people that hook their grandmother up <laughs> to virtual reality <laughs> and they start like falling over and falling to the TV. And have uh-huh. you seen the most recent one where the girl was doing the? Uh, it was like a, I think it was like a Far Cry style game and she turns and somebody comes out of nowhere. So she turns and just dead sprints running away and the guy reaches out to like grab her but misses. So she just books it about five yards full speed just straight into a wall oh. knocks out, falls on the ground and you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be something that needs to get worked out. The kinks of working virtual reality are going to cause a lot of concussions and pains before they figure it out. Wow, there's also other pains, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not more like video game bars, like get bars that are set up with people that could just play Wii, like in the corner. You know, I mean, and, yeah. like Cobra Arcade Bar. I Cobra will say, Arcade's like, awesome. I, I lived in Ohio for a while. I went to Ohio. I went to the Ohio State University. Yes. Yeah, oh my god, people. I like you so much less now, all of a sudden, because <laughs> as an ASU fan who watched David Boston beat us, and, in the, the Rose Bowl in 1997? Yeah. Oh. The, the worst sporting event of my life. You do know that life. Joe Germain is a, a football coach in Queen Creek now, right? Is he really? Yes. So uh, Stanley course. Jackson was the quarterback for that game. Yeah. And I used to see him at the gym at, at Ohio State all the time. And I did not like him. He was super cocky. And I was like, well, yeah. a piece of garbage. <laughs> and then, um, so then they pulled him because like he just was not doing well. And then Joe Germain came in and threw, threw the pass that won us the and game. And then Arizona Cardinals drafted David Boston just to add insult to injury while they played at Cardinal Stadium for that yep. time. I will say I, my friend Susie. Mm-hmm. She, uh, that's, that's a game. That's something we don't talk about in our friendship. Um, she that's has the been politics of your friendship. Yeah. It's, she's super ASU. resentful. So I went to, so I will say I went to Ohio state for my undergrad and then I came out here to do my, to go to grad school and I did my MBA at ASU. And so the first day of class, what happens? They ask you like, you know, stand up, introduce yourself, <laughs> tell us where you went to undergrad, what you majored in. And I would stand up and I was like, hi, my name is Kirthi and I went to the Ohio State University and everybody booed me. I was like, fuck you, we won the Rose Bowl. <laughs> you, 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 you notice every time she said it, she's accentuated the word the. the it's always Ohio, the It's, it's Ohio actually State. part of the trademark yeah. of the name. So I'm here I, for the MBA of ASU. Damn it, we know where you're from. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I got booed all the time, and you know what? I just didn't care. Yeah. It was so much fun to just, yep. On the plus side, you know, being out here is that we don't have to live in Ohio, so I guess we won that part. It's probably going to be 50 below tonight there. Yeah, it's cold over there. I mean, you could live in, you know, Cleveland or Cincy. Oh, no, my God. Cleveland is the, the worst. worst. Cleveland, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Drew Carey can suck it. Because here's the thing. <laughs> I just remember going, so uh, my college boyfriend. <laughs> I love the Drew Carey show, but it's the only good thing that came out of that's Cleveland. That's the only, well, there's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, because yeah. that's something we're all going to go to one day. I mean, I've been, I've been there. It's LeBron pretty, isn't even from Cleveland, so that doesn't count. No, I'm not even going to count any of that. But I will say, like, I remember going out to, in downtown, and like, they, their downtown used to be like garbage central and they totally stepped it up and have revamped it in a really nice way. But the problem is you still have people from Cleveland there. You're still in Ohio. Well, there's that. This I, is where her love of shitty dive bars comes from. No. From Ohio. Uh, this makes I will sense. say Columbus has some good shit going on. Listen, I, all I'm saying is that most astronauts came from Ohio that, and, when they went to the moon because they hated Ohio so much they oh, had to leave the planet them. and went okay, to the moon. Okay, here's the thing. I will also tell you, I'm a, I was born in Philly. Like, I'm from Philly. Oh, so you're from the second best city in New Jersey? New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, just suck it. 
And then I moved to New Jersey. I was about 45 minutes from Manhattan. And um, then we moved from 45 minutes from Manhattan to 45 miles from Toledo, Ohio, in a rural farming community. Wow, you've been all over the place. Oh, yeah. Super racist. It was great. I was like, oh, wow, people don't like me because of I'm tan, but yet you all want to be tan. You're not, I no, don't no, understand. No, no. It's actually your fault. You're too brown and not too orange. Right. Well, there's that. I mean, I did have, a, there was a, some tanning salon in the town next Next to the town I went to high school, and they tried to hire me to be like, oh, you should tell people you tan here. I'm like, I was born this way, and everybody hates me because I'm brown. You so, need to look like that Vov Clicquot label to fit in, basically. Oh, you said Vov correctly. Yes. yes. Nice yeah. I, I still don't say it correctly. You're never going to say it. I don't mean, worry I will it. say there is definitely some satisfaction in saying Vuv. Right? It seems more natural. No, Vov just sounds like I'm talking through a sock. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Vov. It sounds like Like we're the pretentious people who like know it too well and therefore they're like, oh, those people. Yeah, I drink Vov and Moet. (laughs) Moet. So, yeah, so uh, Ohio, mm, but Cleveland, um, so I went to have drinks with a friend of mine. She, we went to Ohio State together. She moved to New York to go to grad school and she was coming back for a wedding. So we met up in Cleveland. My college boyfriend had moved up there. So I was like, let's go have drinks. And so we went and had drinks downtown and people were buying us drinks. And we're like, what on earth is happening? Like, we're like a five on a good day. Like, we hadn't, we're not like kids these days where we've had figured out our eyebrow situation, (laughs) how to dress properly. And like contouring was not a thing back then. And I was like, what on earth is happening? And we like look around and she's like, I mean, not only are people in Cleveland not attractive, but they're also giant assholes. So that's why people are buying us drinks. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I like, I like that we can go to certain cities and everybody moves up and down the scale depending on what city well, that you're Well, I, I mean, there, there is a show. There was a show called Hot in Cleveland. <laughs> that's a thing. What? <laughs> was this like a local No, like, no, broadcast? Betty White was in it. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> she was like the senile old woman that was super passive aggressive and awesome. <laughs> But hot in Cleveland is really literally a thing. I look at because like our scale out here is real unique because it's a lot of I always joke about when people come to the city for the first time because I'm right in old town. So we get all the hotels yeah. around. And they're like, what's the big things out here? And I'll, you know, names thing, like but Botox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, silicone. Yeah. <laughs> no, ours is we catch the worst trends at the end of the trend. So like when Jersey Shore was a thing, right before it goes off of air, all of a sudden everybody in Old Town, Scottsdale at the clubs, all of a sudden had that wind-resistant hair that was Uh. straight up. You know, Affliction became real popular two years after it went bad. Like we get everything on the back end. And let's talk about the jeans with rhinestones on the ass. Bedazzled jeans. Oh, I'm sorry. I was was a giant douchebag. I had (gasps) rhinestone jeans for a little bit of time. I judge you, sir. But you're not wearing them still. Yeah. We have, I, a friend, I, we have a friend that still wears them. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. We shall not mention names. <laughs> but yes. But yes, we have that friend who absolutely does that. I had, I definitely had shirts like with like full on, you know, oh, you had stitching and, um, and name yeah. brand stuff. And then I woke up one day when my mom sent me for Christmas uh, a shirt that was similar somewhere. I went, oh, my God, I suck. 
I am just the worst. I'm a douchebag. All right, I'm going to the mall. I'm going to Hugo Boss right now because I can't wear this crap anymore. Is that like a douchebag awareness group that you can lead? No, you. It's unfortunately you can't. You have to realize it in the moment that you are an awful person and that you don't fit in anymore. I'd say I don't know how that works. So it just the good people will wake up and be like, oh no, (laughs) I can't look like all these people anymore, and so you stop doing it. The other only bigger thing we have out here is Tommy Bahama, probably. Uh, Tommy Bahama's never going it's, away. It's the Phoenix Open at the end of this it's week. Tommy which Bahama's means Tommy like, Bahama it's Tommy, and short Tommy Bahama's Black Friday. Is the oh, Phoenix that's Open? That's a good point. Yeah, the outlet's not close enough to North Scottsdale. No. Although there is a, so I didn't know this. I was at the Quarters or Commons. Uh, I think it was the Quarters. It's Commons. It's they, they have a they have a restaurant. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I so I was walking around. I was with Sarah, and she goes, "Oh, there's a Tommy Bahama thing. You're, you should get your dad something for his birthday because it was coming up at the time." And every the bar was packed. And went, right? "Oh my god, they have a bar and a store. That is the smartest marketing ever." And it was exactly what you expected: old like gray hair, sandals or loafers, short short, and all the flowered pattern you could ever see in your life and my all 50 year old people who dudes, have bad surgery okay online dating <laughs> we may revisit my past life let's um, do this yeah online dating um multiple men who posted photos of themselves that they made high resolution and they were outdated and then they would show up for a date and they'd be wearing a tommy bahama shirt that was too short oh, to Jesus. cover their guts Ooh. And I'm sorry, dudes, but if you are wearing a shirt that I can see the under part of your gut hanging over, oh, your so pants, not even like, yo, oh, I know, yeah, yeah, no, Ugh. nobody wants to see that hairy underbelly. Like literally, nobody wants to see the underbelly it's of like, anything. Hey, babe, it's my side belly. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, not but good. but isn't there a T-shirt that says women like the belly? Pork belly. I yeah, know. pork belly. I mean, it's technically both <laughs> things at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like dating is its own beast. Um, this is a weird city to do it in. For anybody who has to come out here and get used to moving here, yeah, they are going to experience a very broad divorce, well, divorce, very broad. Cap, divorce capital of the United States. Divorce. You're going to get all the cougars, all the old men in Tommy Bahamas driving around, you know, old Corvettes. Well, I'll also say... My oh, dad has an old Corvette. Oh. <laughs> and he wears Tommy Bahamas and all the time. And he wears Tommy Bahamas all the time. <laughs> I mean... My dad is so stereotypical. I love it. It's great. See, you know, I, like, I just remember, like, I used to ask my mom, like, a, my dad has, my dad always cared about how he dressed, like, always very fashionable, like, tailored suits, tailored shirts, the whole thing. And I very much took after him um, on that front. My mom doesn't care. Like, yeah. I shop for her and she's happy with it. It's great. Um, but on the other hand, like, I'm so glad that my mom never wanted to like wear mini skirts and go out with me. (laughs) I am very glad I don't have that mother. I'm very glad I had a mom who was my mom, like that we're very good friends now. Like we love each other. She doesn't always understand me and my life, which is fine because they grew up in India. And then by the time she was 22, she was a mom and had been married for six years and I cannot relate. I was like, I graduated 21. I was like, yeah, we've got nothing in common. I always, and I wonder if this is just an Arizona thing, but people watching to me out here is really fun. But I feel like I judge people a little bit harder because people either try way too hard mm-hmm. and maybe it's people just coming in to visit. Like, I feel like it's a bad version of Vegas sometimes. Uh, like, yeah. I, I see people dress up at a, on a level that they shouldn't be dressing up the way that they do. And I, I find that most people are really friendly. Like, I don't think like they're terrible people, no. but I look at them and I'm just like... You tried way too hard for something you didn't need to do. Like whether it was 
So like, I, I, I swear to God, I was at a Jamba Juice one day and I, at the counter, this lady was digging through her purse to get a credit card and she left a Botox kit on the counter and left. There were four needles in it. It literally said, inject here, here, and here. And she just forgot about it as if it was nothing. And I'm like, that's not an uncommon thing to see in Scottsdale. Uh, it's the 50, 60 year old recently divorced ladies who are trying way too hard to find somebody in their 20s and 30s at the time. And you're well, like, I, I just want to say to all of them, oh, honey, no, stop. Like, you're yeah. still beautiful, but wow, you look like you're shopping at H&M and Charlotte Russe and Forever 21 and you should stop that. <laughs> I, I agree. I think that there is a point of like being age appropriate. I mean, I'm 41. I know I don't look my age. I don't have Botox. That will probably be something that's in my future. I am in marketing and in the cocktail scene and, you know, being young and being with it, quote unquote, is important. So I don't necessarily balk at that stuff, but I do balk at like, you've seen all these 10 year challenges going around on Facebook and yeah. on Instagram and everything. And there have been, there are, there are a lot of really amazing, talented, intelligent young women in this town. And I know I'm, I'm categorizing it as women, but, and I'm like, you're not going to post a 10 year challenge because you've had so much Botox and fillers and microblading and this and that and the other. And I'm like, I, it makes me really grateful that I did have the phase of the bad eyebrows and not knowing how to put on makeup and, you know, all of that. Like, you know, I, I had a deformed face for 16 years of my life when I had that corrective jaw surgery. It completely changed the way it looked. And so I just remember walking in the first day of my senior year of high school with my friend who fed me the chicken <laughs> in a syringe. And, you know, she basically sat down with mom and was like, you know, we need to take her shopping. Like she needs all new clothes and everything. And my mom's like, yes. And I, by this, I walked in and I had 25 feet to walk from the door into my locker. And in that time I got asked to the back to school dance three times by guys who never would have looked at me twice. Not only because I had a weird looking face before that, but also because I was a woman of color in this small, small town. And I told all of them yes, and I stayed home. Yeah. Whoa. Because it made me understand that like people were just looking at like I'm like, I'm not any different on the inside. I'm still like this weird kid from New Jersey who's well, kind of an asshole yeah. and yeah. But it's swears like, and can make really good Italian food. Yeah, but it's like all things. A lot of everything comes from the very like first appearance of something. And one thing I have noticed, especially like as I got older, is it's not just like your facial looks, it's, it is how you present yourself. Do yeah. you take care of yourself hygienically? Like, do you have like the shaven beard or do you look scraggly like a hobo? I mean, I shave Once, my beard really close. It's, it looks fantastic. The five o'clock, five o'clock shadow is totally gone at this Thank point. Thank you. Thank you but very much. But my thing was like clothes. <laughs> Once I started dressing real nice and I didn't look, I wore basketball shorts, honest to God. <laughs> like I think one time I, for fun, and I know I've got a picture somewhere in, at, Damien left this one. I had a fake fur jacket that I used for a, a Halloween because <laughs> uh, Halloween's my jam. Halloween's the best. Oh yeah, day I on love the Halloween. So I had this fake fur jacket. And I was like, I'm gonna wear this to uh, to a restaurant I went to one time, and I had a, a Dr. Irving number six basketball jersey, a backwards hat, and fur jacket, and I couldn't look like any bigger of a wigger on this planet. <laughs> and like it was just funny watching everybody do that. But like once you dress up nicely and take care of stuff, all of a sudden you guys like you, you have a little more confidence, you feel yeah. better, and then people kind of approach you a little bit more. You feel different. I mean, I learned different. that working with the Italians. I mean, when you start wearing tailored suits and you start oh, yeah. looking good, 
you feel good. It comes across in your confidence and the way you talk, everything. You stand up straighter. I mean, posture is a, a big thing. And yeah. and dressing down feels even that much better then. So yeah. when you're on your day off and you're wearing a hoodie and you know, <laughs> so my, a trucker cap, it feels even sitting, better. As I'm sitting here with like six inch heels and a black dress. She's oh, looking, it's, a little, it's always, the, there, there is like, it's adding a supercharger to a really big engine though anyway. Right, like, but, no, but I'll say it. like, here's the thing. This thing is like a, it's a t-shirt. As essentially, but I'm comfortable and I feel good in it. And I think when you feel good in your clothes and, and confidence just, is a huge thing. Too. Confidence is a huge thing. And I think I've had a lot of people who are like, you know, I wish I could be confident like you. And I'm like, just because like I appear confident doesn't mean that I don't have my moments of like, what in the entire fuck am I doing? I should not be in front of people right now. But you know, you have to own that. Like it's part of the, the human experience. Like you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to not know what you're doing. We recorded for three months before we started posting stuff online. Right. It took us a while. Because it was, it was a it was, lot of fear. It was me because it was the, the people think I'm super confident, but also it's intimidating. It's scary sometimes to put yourself out there and And you put yourself out there in a way that's super unfamiliar. Well, one thing I really thought was really fun, and I and I think he's heard the compliments and so have I, but like Dude, once you, once you got on your kick of working on your diet and like working out what you ate, dude, I had a couple friends be like, wow, Damien looks so different. Sarah even walked in one day and she was like, holy crap, Damien looks great. Like he looks like he's really like fit and he's doing all this. I'm like, yeah, no, he's taking like a good shot at. Don't have Italian moms feeding me all the time either. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, like we aren't myself. on fish tour eating all. chicken shawarma in the parking lot six days a week. <laughs> yes. Oh, eating so good, good food. I mean, you can understand why certain cultures are typically very skinny and certain cultures typically aren't. I mean, how do you explain like an overweight Englishman? Uh, haggis, uh, weather, <laughs> potatoes, boiled stuff, <laughs> beer, lots beer. of beer, you know, versus, I don't think there's a lot to do in England. So I don't know what <laughs> they're going to take their energy it's, out on. It's cold and rainy all the How time. How big are the mountains in England? Oh, there are none. You got to go to Scotland. Well, they're not doing that. Let's go to Stonehenge. Ooh, walk around that little itty bitty tiny area. It's gonna burn off those twelve <laughs> calories. Go to <laughs> Don't they? Isn't their main dish beer battered fish and chips? Yes, <laughs> yes. Which is that's how they're English. That, like I, I felt like I needed to have like, like just Indian spices, like you know, like in like in a little travel case. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, I felt one of my favorite things was uh, when I went down to see my mom. She lives in Georgia, and mm-hmm. everything is barbecue. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm yes. literally gonna gain weight. I'm gonna eat crazy. Wait here, just ate my way through chicken and barbecue. And I did. I gained like five pounds when I came back. It was worth it. So there's oh, yeah. Shen, that was not fun afterwards. There's a show on Netflix right now called The Final Table. Oh. Final plate. Final table. I think it's called final the, table. Final table. Yeah, final table. So I just watch it and it's all Michelin star and James Beard award winning chefs competing to sit at the final table with all these other super top fifty restaurant in the world mm-hmm. chefs. And they have to go around and cook a cuisine from every country. So each and every episode is a different cuisine from a different country. So the first episode, they had to do Mexico. Next, they had to do Brazil. They had to do India. And it had like the top chef, the, t- the highest rated chef in India was there to be the judge and rip them all That's apart. Awesome. Just out of curiosity, is it the same girl from Cooked? No. There's a lady from Cooked who's like, she specializes in spices from India. It was, I a, didn't know it, it was a guy. And oh, I've okay. seen him before. I can't remember his name, Maybe, but he's super, super famous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So, so the English one was an English breakfast. Oh, it was like no. their food. It was literally like sausage and eggs and, oh, and a piece and of toast br- with an egg in the middle and, <laughs> and, and black, uh, like pudding, like black bread. <laughs> and the American one, Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, they had to do. Really? They, they had to do that. Like, what's American cuisine? 
I hamburger? did my very Cheese- first Thanksgiving dinner this past year. I've never done Thanksgiving before. Really? Uh, well, so growing up, I was a vegetarian. Grew up in a vegetarian household. Like, what are we going to do? Not like make a turkey and not eat it. Well, they have faux turkey, tofurkey. Well, tofurkey. now they do, and it's also garbage, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, even my mother, who's never eaten meat, uh, was like, this, "This is not good. It's not very good. We're not going to eat that." So you know, so we would basically do like a night, a really nice meal with friends or whatever. Um, and then as I got older, went to college, like boyfriends and whatnot. But I had to make my very first turkey breast this year. Guess who's never done that before? Oh, boy. Yeah. So I was like, let's do the Instant Pot. And I have to tell you, like, touching turkey skin is really unnerving. It's very leathery. It's leathery and bumpy. And I was it's like, I had it's like man ma- wrinkled it's, it's like Match.com. No. <laughs> it is. You no, know, it's like Tinder. It's like Tinder. Oh, it works. <laughs> It's not good. And I like, I was putting the stuff on the turkey breast and screaming (laughs) and just running around the kitchen trying to get away from it. Like, I was like, I still have to make it. But luckily, my boyfriend is very good with me being uncomfortable in weird new situations. But um, yeah, uh, Thanksgiving dinner is interesting and unnerving for me. Um, But yeah. I mean, that's what they considered American. That's what one yeah. dish to sum up America. You can't do steak and potatoes. Like, what do you? What's one thing you can a give? Burger a, and fries would have been burger the fries. Whopper, whopper and fries. Whopper yeah, and fries. not Whopper. Big Mac. Big Mac. Yeah. Fuck the Whopper. The, uh, fuck God, our country. Double double. Fuck Burger King's French fries. By first the way. off, uh, I, he's Mr. Chipotle. It's all this kid yeah. eats. He eats it seven days a week. I'm sorry, but if you're gonna <laughs> so. have okay, fast food French fries. Oh, it's obviously McDonald's. Oh, it's got to be McDonald's, but McDonald's. it has to be hot. You know what, though? You know what? You know who comes a really, really close second? What? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A waffle fries are the jam. Those are pretty good. I will say five guys. Also, if you really want to fuck with people, go to Taco, not Taco Bell, uh, Jack in the Box. You get those BS 99 cent tacos and you stuff a mozzarella stick in there okay. and cover it in sauce and know, then get really, really drunk and it's the best thing you ever do had. you know Donnie Hawk over at the Gladly? He does the raw bar over there. He has he does the taco with an egg roll, and you put hot okay. sauce and the sweet and sour sauce on it. See, he just classied up my crappy nonsense two a.m. food. Uh, he, it's it's pretty. I good. lived. I used to live down off McKillop's and Scottsdale, and we had Taco Bell, Burger King, and some. Oh, Carl's Jr. That was the other. Oh book. yeah, with the green burrito. Oh my god, <laughs> green burrito. It's like when I found out A and W and KFC were actually the same thing. Oh yeah. And so I we, didn't but know we that. Never ate now, I feel like my, my brain just exploded. Yeah, A and W KFC. Although I don't really like the chicken at KFC. Mm. I'm all you got to go to Canes, man. Raising Canes is the business. It's the In and Out of so fried chicken. Hot. Although you uh, you know what, In and Out, all about the burger, all about the double double. The French fries can go die in a fire. No, that's because their French fries are terrible because they're good for you. I, I mean, they're not good they're for you. They're fresh. not bad for you. I'm like, yeah. you gotta. You... I don't want to eat a potato that was lightly cooked. Get out of here. <laughs> I, we invite somebody on the show. I was supposed to talk about cocktails and awesome food. We're t- we've talked about dive bars and fast food. <laughs> Excellent. <Okay. laughs> I love awesome. it. It's hilarious. You know, I'm all about. Look, I'm we, all about good food. I'm all about great cocktails. Ironically, they'll end up having good drinks that got you to those dr- right. those places to eat afterwards. Yes. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I will say, like, okay, so end of the night, you've had a few cocktails, you've had your jack-in-the-box with a mozzarella stick or seven, <laughs> um, you get home, and you're going to have a drink. What is it? Probably, oh, God, and I hate that I'm about it's, to I say this. I call this. it the totally ready? unnecessary drink, so. 
Most likely a Pabst Blue go to hell. <laughs> What's Pabst would go to hell? It's just a Pabst Blue ribbon because it's the worst fake beer on the planet, but it's so good to drink at two in the morning. Ah, okay. Pabst, Pabst, or Rolling Rock. See, I don't know. Oh, Rolling Rock. Oh my God. I haven't had that since... High school since when you were the fancy person who showed up. High school. I didn't drink in high school. I hated oh, yeah, my I high, school. high school. Remember, I went to the super racist That's right, high school. You, I was like, you I, didn't drink too. I'm not having any new milestones here. Like yeah. I was like, eh. So see, I don't drink hard liquor barely at all. If no, I, no. If but I, like, if I come home at night and I want another drink or a cocktail, I pour a glass of wine. Typically, that's what it, what it ends up being. You're, but what you're a late night wine drinker. I'll either be a late or sometimes a beer. It kind yeah, of depends on what I've been drinking already in the night. Okay. Because if I've already been drinking certain things, I don't come home and throw wine in my belly if there's already not wine in my belly. Right. Because then it's just like, oh, I, I got that. a bunch of beer and a bunch of liquor. Let's drink wine and really ruin my morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what you're saying is you hate yourself. <laughs> I, I mean, I think when you get to the point of the totally unnecessary drink, you already hate yourself because the point. next morning is going to suck. Yeah. But you're at least putting grease in your system to kind of at least go like, all right, it won't be Hopefully. too bad. I mean, sometimes you're just like, I mean, if you're Uber driver, it does not want to take you through the drive through you know. Like. I, I've had two good Uber experiences. Both of them were like, you know, we'll take you through this drive through And it's funny. So the, where I live at, there's a McDonald's on the corner. And uh, it's fun. It's not busy at all. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's midnight, and it gets a little busier. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's 3 a.m., and the line is like around the block and around the corner. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, if there was a cop, he would literally make his entire quota oh, in 10 seconds. They used to do that at the Taco Bell on Apache. I went to Arizona yeah, State yeah. University. I remember and that. That cop used to always, Friday and Saturday night at 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, yep. would be walking through the drive through a thing, just kind of saying hi to people in their cars. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Uh, Everybody immediately no longer wants to. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh. they're eating Taco Bell, so they're prepping for it Well, anyways. they haven't actually eaten it yet, though. That, that's point. literally the smartest cop in the bunch though because he's like why are you guys out there in the streets he goes i'll find them where they all congregate yeah it's yeah. like it's like kids who are like selling girl scout cookies outside of a dispensary that's really oh fucking smart by the way i saw that one time over by az wines that girl was right in front of the uh, the dispensary and i was like that is the smartest girl or her parents it doesn't matter either way she's yes. making all of her money in yes. 10 minutes for sure god i love i want girl scout cookies and that's actually one of the big what's tr- your girl scout cookie of choice oh obviously thin mints Samoas. Samoas are number two. I, like I get a box of Samoas and a box of Thin Mints. Me yeah. too. Those are my two. Thin yeah. Mints my, in the freezer. My problem with Thin Mints is that I black out when I eat them. I, <laughs> I, I, okay, I, are you drinking? When no. You just but, black but, out when but, you're... But I, but I, oh, that's his junk food for late at night. I, I found eat, it. I eat Girl's two of them cookies. and then... I just come to an hour later and they're all gone. I don't know how. I don't remember eating them. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. I literally have never remembered eating a whole package. Are you a sleep But I eater? always I eat the whole package. It's I'm a cone. I'm going to pour myself this. What so this? real quickly, think you just need so everybody some was knowing. We're having a totally ice. unnecessary drink. Do you want some ice in that? I don't know. Am I supposed to have ice in this? All right. So we started with Negronis, which is why we're all having a great time. <laughs> and then Damien pulled out this bottle. It's called pork. P- pork. Holy crap. Pork. Park. It's a four-letter word. It's a four-letter word. I butchered it. It's park. Cognac. One syllable. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to McDonald's. Apparently, I'm at that point. I'm, I need you to write down your last name. We're going to make him try and pronounce it here. Oh. Actually, yeah. Let's yeah, mess. All right. I'm so it's really excited park about this. Cognac. It's a VSOP. My, my notes of things I wanted to talk about tonight that we haven't talked about oh, any of them. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's see. What's on your From Maison Cognac Park. Yeah. All right. Well, here, I'm going to pass this around. Well, because there's certain trends that are happening right now in the cocktail business. One, CBD cocktails. Yeah, and I think they're great. So, uh, Pig and Pickle, last September, started doing Canna Feast. We'll get around this uh, Partnering with uh, Peyton Curry and now brought in uh, Peyton Curry's with Flourish um, and Justine with um, Jules Cafe. So, they've been doing 
these canopies with, and they did CBD cocktails. And I'm a big fan of CBD. I have chronic pain. Um, and so for me, like, you know, I have a friend who owns like a CBD boutique up at uh, High Street, which used to be City North. Um, and so like using CBD has been really great. So therapeutically, I think it's fantastic. And I think it needs to be more of a thing. I also think it's going to take a little bit more time for them to become mainstream. I think a lot of people are still hesitant because of, they still think it's getting high. They still think it's, it's very different. I mean, it's very different. No psychoactive characteristics. No. And it doesn't get you high. It, It might relax you for sure. Like that's been my experience, um, with, especially for people with anxiety and things like that, it really will help scale back some of those symptoms. And with chronic pain, I think it's a really valuable thing. And I would love if I could have CBD cocktails and be like, oh, so I that's, have a little buzz and I feel good and my body feels better. That's the- I want to talk about that just for a hair second, only because I'm with everybody on that. I know it's a great anti-inflammatory. I know it works. I know Sarah's been using it like crazy. And I want to put it into wine. I think the taste would be ruined because the CBD I've been messing around with has been hemp-based. Therefore, there's a real planty taste to it, which I think would turn a lot of people off. That's but a my, nice way of putting it. Yeah, planty taste. Mm-hmm. But my biggest problem has been so far is, you know, you buy a certain vial of it and it says it's 100 milligrams, but I've heard from two different people that said that's not really necessarily true. It's kind of like saying organic or biodynamic where there's no real set laws to it and it's just kind of in there. Mm-hmm. And CBD from hemp is super different from CBD actually based from cannabis, like Agreed. actual weed plant. Yes. And so I was talking with this guy in Denver and he goes, um, he was talking to my girlfriend, Rob, because she uses CBD for a jaw. She has a TMJ. Yeah. And she's like, it kind of works, but not really. And then she gave her, and he gave her a real, he's like, listen, there's a little THC in this. So you're going to get like the slightest buzz, but this is real CBD. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, what do you mean real CBD? And he goes, well, this is actual, like when we say there's a hundred milligrams, we mean there's a hundred milligrams. And this isn't like what you buy off the shelf where they say there's a thousand, but it's diluted down to nothing. Medical quality. <laughs> Medical. Qu- yeah. Perfect way of putting it. Medical quality. And she was like, holy crap, it's night and day compared to what I like buy at a store. Yeah. So I know it works. I know for a fact, it's a real thing. It obviously matters, but is what people are buying or adding to their drinks, is it real CBD? Is it more like, listen, it is CBD. We say it's 100 milligrams, but it's like five. Well, I think, it, honestly, it's a matter of consider the source, you know? I would, uh, and yeah, and I think that that really thing. goes for any industry, any whether you're drinking spirits or whether you're doing CBD, THC. At least with spirits, there's a set law. If it says 40% alcohol, right. it's 40% alcohol. Right, but like, you know, CBD, I mean, think about like pot back in the day, like... Yeah, so here you go. Good luck. There's some assholes selling oregano, right? Like that that happens. So this is like them trying to put alcohol levels on something in 1922, when alcohol became legal. Good luck. It's we're it's it's the tip of the the industry. Yeah, we're just getting started, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this. I'm actually pretty excited to see where it's going to go. I would love to be able to sit there and do the Molly Duker shake. You know how they claim it does give you hangover shake. I want to be like, there's CBD in here. You're not going to taste it. And because it reduces see, like, your anti-inflammatory, it's going to help you out drinking this wine later at yeah. night. So I can see places in Denver, Washington, places where it has already gone recreational, where mm-hmm. there's going to be a CBD cocktail probably on every list up there now. There is, but it also needs to be done right. I mean, I, I, that, I think that's really what it comes down to, you know, like, and I, that's with any spirit that comes like absinthe way back in the day. Like, holy crap balls. It's right. Before, before, woo! yeah, before absinthe they took away the all the mood altering effects of it, like. You know, like you want to make sure that you're having it sourced from the right place. And and I think that 
just given where the cocktail scene is going with, you know, people wanting to do things right and doing it well. Um, yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot more of that done well. Um, you know, I wouldn't go to my local dive bar and I wouldn't go to Dilly Dally. No offense, yeah. Dilly Dally, I love you. Yeah. But I'm not going to go to Dilly Dally and be like, yeah, I'm going to get a CBD cocktail. I want a vodka Red Bull and CBD. Yeah. Were, <laughs> were you not with me recently when we went to a place that had a CBD, lo- a CBD option on it? And so we got it was the probably last. in Denver. It was because yeah. remember they were like, well, "This is it. We don't have any more." And somebody got the tail end of that drink. It was the morgue place. Um, I don't remember. This yeah. sounds. Long. That sounded really oh. weird, by the way. Yeah. The morgue place. For, the morgue oh. place. Yeah. It's the people who own Root Down in oh, Denver. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And, and they I have love a, that place. Yes, yes, and they have a really gastro pubby kind of place. Mm-hmm. It's in an old morgue. And all the tables are actually old, like morgue tables and oh, stuff. Oh god, it's, that would freak me out. But it's, that it's a really it's cool thing. One of the hottest places in Denver. I'm like sure. it's okay. Yes. Wait a minute, I gotta interrupt. Sorry, I just remember where it was. It wasn't there. It was Broadhouse. It was Broadhouse. I went there for a bachelor party with my friend. They had CBD cocktails, or you could add it to your beer for four dollars, and that's where they ran out. Broadhouse has CBD that they add to well, the drinks. Well, Peyton Curry is a partner there, and yes. he's involved with Flourish, um, and they're doing some really amazing stuff over yeah. there. Because my dad so, uh, opened a restaurant with Dave Andrea way back. They opened the Tortilla Factory each other with oh, you know, wow. way back in the day. Okay. And I see Dave occasionally at the farmer's market and whatever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as the first time I've seen CBD oil on a menu, and my first thought was not, oh, that's stupid. I can't believe it. I was like, holy crap, that's really smart. Not only, obviously, you're going to make a few bucks for it, but with the anti-inflammatory thing for it, this will be great for people to drink. Yeah. But like she said, it's kind of the, it's the beginning phases of it. So right. I think- you're, you're definitely going to have people who are, there's going to be pushback. I mean, I think with Broadhouse, they've been pushing the envelope from the very beginning. Yeah. So I think definitely it's going to, and, and they have an audience there. You know, Peyton knows what he's doing. Um, he spent a lot of time immersing himself in understanding and learning and also trying to teach people. Um, well, once younger are like a younger generation who knows obviously that it's fine. And then plus is now it's totally legal, obviously as much as, you know, mm-hmm. people disagree with Trump, they at least finally signed that farm bill that said hemp and CBD is totally legal. Mm-hmm. Go about it. So now people can rush the gates and be like, okay, let's figure out what we could put this in and what we could do. Does it as pills? Do you do it as liquid? So it's there. Now yeah. it's just a question of how do you incorporate it into everything? How do you incorporate it? How do you make it like acceptable across the board? I think that yeah. that's a big deal because, uh, you know, you can bring in something that's, you know, fantastic and amazing. But I think people are a lot more socially conscious of, of what they're consuming versus, you know, yes. 30, 40 years ago where uh, high fructose corn syrup and all that, like people did not pay attention back then. You know, microwave popcorn. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I, I even think about the cocktails that we had back in the day. I mean, vodka Red Bull was a big deal yeah. or just anything with shitty cranberry juice. Well, now you actually uh, have a bartender who's actually caring about his tonic water. He's mm-hmm. actually caring about every little ingredient that goes in there. I know some of the little things I, well, I started reading cocktail trends because oh, no, you're, you're kind of my cocktail go-to person <laughs> when I think about it. I'm flattered. Because <laughs> I'm not a cocktail person. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I know, they you're make, my wine guy. They make me drunk. That's, yeah. I'm, and obviously, I guess I'm now your Amaro guy, too. <laughs> you are the Amaro guy. And did you want an Amaro? Because I actually have an Amaro here. You know here. what? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's when do he gets it. back, I'll grab one All for right. you. Because um, I had this cognac, uh, too. for this if anybody wanted to try it. Oh, wow. Well. Now that I grabbed, like, six ice cubes. I'll get you another glass here in a second, too. <laughs> But I was to try cognac because I don't know cognac that well. So I was reading about some of the 2018 trends and where people are talking about 2019 and where it's going to go and what the next thing is. I feel we're always 
two or three years behind the trends of everything else in the country except for cocktails. I think with cocktails, we are on the cutting edge because I will also say, I feel like the, uh, the cocktail community is really tightly knit. Uh, I mean, I think Instagram is a great platform for it. I've met some really amazing, wonderful people. Um, back in 2012, I was on a, uh, a book tour with a client and it was an interesting situation because it was like all the staff that was employed by that company and then there was me as the consultant. So <laughs> it was kind of off on my own um, for a lot of it. And so it was it was lonely. It was traveling for like about 20 days and, uh, in all of my favorite cities, but it was also weekdays or the nights that my friends had available. I was working. So, uh, our first stop was in Chicago. We were staying at, well, was me, the Waldorf Astoria. Um, and they had a, um, a speakeasy. One, one star, one and a half. Uh, Must be, probably Priceline that. But yeah, no, it was totally yeah. a travel lodge. A continental breakfast in the morning with just a bagel and frosted flakes. You know, stale the bagel. Ooh, Thank you. Stale bagel. Stale bagel. Coffee made two days ago. <laughs> Folgers, baby. Um, yeah, so they had a speakeasy in there. And the first night we were there, we left on May 30th. It was my parents' anniversary. So I was a little bummed that I didn't get to celebrate with them. But we flew out of here and it was 100. 101 degrees we flew into Chicago it was 43 and raining and so obviously we get settled in we do our meeting and I was like I don't feel like leaving a hotel I'm freezing and obviously have not packed properly for this trip so I found the speakeasy in the hotel and it's literally like there's this panel wood paneled wall and I found the panel that popped open and um it was just so much fun oh it's great so it's called bernard's bar i don't think it's still there but i walked in and it was last call and and the guy was like i'm happy to make you a drink and we ended up chatting and so i ordered a sazerac and he just kind of looked at me and he's like i'm so sorry i'm stereotyping you don't have many indian women who come in here and order a whiskey drink and i was like it's freezing it's perfect weather for sazerac it's hot as hell where i live so yeah so we ended up chatting and he realized the group i was with and so he's like hey look um you know where else are you going and um i told him and he's like you know and we ended up doing a photo shoot with him the next day um because it was great for the content we're trying to create um but what was awesome was that basically he just told me, he's like, anytime we were on a private chat too, also, <laughs> woe is me. So any, uh, he's like, just text me when you're taking off and let me know what city you're going to and I'll text you back with where you should stop in. So literally I would, we would land in a city. I would text him as we were taking off. He would be like, go here and drop my name. And my favorite stop was in New York City. Um, it was a Friday night. We're standing in line at employees only. And I believe his name is Sean. That's one of the owners there. And I was standing in line. And one of the girls from the team had joined me for that night because we needed to do some B-roll for some of the content that we were creating. And he's like, hey, you. And I was like, and I never pay attention because who's ever saying my name correctly? I was like, and he's like, no, you, the brown girl. And I was like, yeah. He's like, Brad. Brad's your friend? Come up here. And I was like, can I bring her? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I sat, we sat in front of his well that night nice. on a Friday night and he made us a shit ton of drinks. And I think I got a check for like $7 and about shit my pants. Because wow. I'm like, how does this doesn't How's happen? Yeah. This doesn't happen in New York City. And, but it made me realize because all these people were making me feel welcome. And I was like, this is the kind of community I want to be a part of. Yeah. And this is all across the country. You know, It is funny how that works like that because I'm the outside looking in kind of a person. Now, I grew up bartending. I bar backed and bartended a little bit. I started at Frazier's was my first gig. Oh, okay. So I worked with Kevin and Tim. Yeah, and yeah. I still know George to this day. Mm-hmm. That was like my first job. And so 
I got a feel for how everybody was connected, not just by your bartender, but by the bar itself. Yes. And then so that you could walk into, and nowadays, let's just, for example, use like a thing like an ostrich or something like that. You walk in and you already know the five or six bartenders and even a couple of the servers, maybe the hostess, but you do feel a part of a family right out of the gate. And there's a comfort in that. And I loved that. That's why every time, it was the only time I never felt like I was working. And even now making wine, like there's a job aspect to it, but I never felt like I worked at Frazier's because I love to talk to people. That's my jam. Right. And everybody loved it. And then obviously Frazier's, you know, kind of tailed down and everybody went their own ways. But still to this day, I've never had more times where I've walked around with whether it was uh, like a Casey mm-hmm. uh, and 10 people would walk up and be like, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, yeah come yeah. do this, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's so welcoming and so friendly and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I don't like on my side of my industry of winemaking is if we don't have that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just our state or where it is, but in our state, I feel fractured. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of us are arguing. A lot of people are fighting who uses what and who does what versus binding together and helping. Mm -hmm. And therefore being like the redheaded stepson of the bartending community because I do wine. Like there's no fit for like, oh, he makes an amazing whiskey to blend in with this. And therefore this, this, it's just it's wine and that's it. And so I've always look on the outside and go, man, the bartending community in this city has its shit together. And they're yeah. constantly promoting. I went to the last slinger last year and there was like 30 other bartenders rooting on their friend. And yeah. even when they lost, they were like, oh, who gives a shit? This is great. It was so much fun. I, and everybody partied and everybody got drunk. It's genuinely one of my favorite. It's a genuine feel that everybody yeah. wants everybody to succeed and mm-hmm. do well and come up with something cool. And then when they do, everybody promotes it. And that includes right. driving the 45 minutes to another part of the city to help them out. Right. It's camaraderie. And it's, I mean, Barbara. Barbara is one also a favorite. I mean, they hold it at Jay Bard Sanctuary every summer. Um, obviously, it's slow as hell in the summer, especially on Sunday nights. Yeah, um, man, between that June and beginning of October sucks. Uh, it's terrible. Dude, August August is when you get to know who yeah. your best bar trainer friends are because they'll show up just to be like, listen, I got to give you a couple bucks, yeah. man. I know you're struggling. Oh, totally. And I, had a running, I had a running joke with a bartender friend of mine. We kept giving each other the same $20 tip every time he'd show up <laughs> my winery. I'd give it back to him. He'd give it back to me. And still to this day, here we are. It's an old $20 bill, too. Not like the new fancy yeah. colored one. We just keep giving it back to each other. <laughs> each other. Oh, like the $20, $20 bills of Damien's in my youth? Yes. <laughs> you know, the one with the little tiny head, not the big full-on No, we don't, we don't need to show size <laughs> in order to know our value. It's crazy. <laughs> there, there is a crazy camaraderie right now in this town with the bartenders and the cocktail culture and the chefs. We talked about this with Colin. Yeah. There's very few cities where the chefs get together and do a... They, like they, the seven chefs. The seven chef dinner. Yeah. Like people are... It's like, oh, that guy across the street, I, I got to do something better than him. Whereas here, they're like, why don't you come cook at my restaurant this Friday and I'll cook yeah. at your restaurant next Friday. Yeah. And it's... Same with the bartenders here. The way they... They've done the seven chef dinners with seven bartenders before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where yeah, guest bartending spots. Yeah, yeah. That's just not something you see in a lot of. And the mentoring. I mean, you see what Jason Asher and and you know, Micah Micah Olson as Micah's well. Like, awesome. Um, you know, super like Micah Olson is like so low key and so fucking talented. Like, I know when I first started poning up to the bar at Crudo, I fucking knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. And he was very patient, never like too good to explain or, you know, and, and like seeing the passion when they explain stuff to you, like when Jason Asher like gets excited about a recipe, whether it's beet juice 
or whatever. Uh, Everybody has their weird geekiness of some obscure ingredient or drink. Well, Jason Asher got that with the GQ Bartender of the Year. I think he was the first. He was definitely the first here in Phoenix, but I think he might have been the first overall. But the beet puree is like... It's his thing. It's his signature. But I also like... It's amazing to see like people mentoring each other and, and just giving a fuck, you know? Um, and it's awesome to see like the people who have sprung out of that, who have learned from this mentoring and made it their own. Now the, the Phoenix chapter, the USBG has been so good about working even with other States and other USBG chapters. I mean, it's probably the, yeah, that's a real Italian Amaro. That's not that, Christ. I don't know what I'm drinking, but it's amazing. That's something you, that's not, Oh, is this the Monte San? Yeah, that's the real from Italy Amaro. Oh, so wow. Yeah. yeah, real, real, almost like mentally a little mm-hmm. minty. Maybe a pant herbaceous. dropper. I'm not wearing pants. That's. I'm not saying Coug- panty dropper. That's inappropriate. <laughs> I tried. By the way, I, I'm not even kidding. I tried actually trademarking panty dropper for a wine on a label. Mm-hmm. I got rejected in a heartbeat. By the way, <laughs> our our friend actually trademarked the word hoser beer in Canada. Wow. I don't know if you ever seen Strange Brew, but like, yeah. we were like, oh, the Hosa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Our buddy actually oh, has Hosa beer. Dermot. Yeah. He's sending us all those wines. I can't wait to get our yeah. beer. Excuse me. I can't wait to get them. <laughs> he's going to send us the Hosa beer so we can like talk about it on the show yeah. sometime. That's amazing. I know, right? If you need a guest taster, I'm happy to join. Uh, March, mid March, man. We're going to have those. But it, it's so <laughs> awesome that the culture right now of the food and wine business in Phoenix is so tight knit and close mm-hmm. and we don't fight with each other. We're all fighting for a common cause. I think we're fighting for recognition. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, to put you Phoenix see, on the map, put Phoenix on the map. And I think year after year, like on the culinary side, we see year after year, we get bypassed for James Beard. Every you know? Year. Yeah. We had that talk with Colin. Like, it's yeah, just we get nominated people and, keep skipping Phoenix for a lot of things. Well, and I think that part of it uh, for me on, on the marketing and PR side, I would say like, I think we need to promote our chefs and our restaurants a little bit differently. Um, but on the cocktail side, I think that we are making those waves and we are making people think, you know, that eater piece that just came out last week, we're starting to be on the map in a good way. Um, not in that we're just about cowboys and, and steaks and chili and, you know, uh, bedazzled pants and affliction shirts and and Botox and, But Botox. Well, talk and, about but, two different swings that just nailed but, Phoenix. But, but something like like Last Slinger Standing, you know, they, yeah. they do this event and they used to keep it in Phoenix and they said, you know what, let's invite another state to be part of it. And then right. let's invite Colorado and Nevada and New Mexico. Mexico. Yep. And then all of a sudden all these states are part of it. And I go up there and I've been in New Mexico and I mentioned that I'm from Phoenix and I know the people that put it on. They're like, oh my God, you know so-and-so and they did this yeah. and they're so excited and their eyes like light up when they hear that I'm from Phoenix and I happen to know the people that put that on. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. I don't think quite in like LA or New York. And that's kind of, you know what? I, I'm going to go back to, I remember, um, Kiefer who works over at Bitter and Twisted. Um, he went to LA and he competed in a bartending competition. And, you know, I, I he, I asked him how it went. Um, he was like counterintuitive at the time. He's like, it was good. It's just, it's weird out here. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, Everyone is here to make their own name. He's like versus like making their bar or their team shine. And he's like, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. Where was this at? The, he competed in L.A. L.A. Okay. And L.A. Like it's different there. People are definitely trying to get their name out there and and be a star tender, if you yeah. will. Do they all have headshots too? Star tender. I never heard that term before. Yeah. See, star but you know tender. exactly what I'm talking star about. Star tender. When I say it, don't you? Yeah. See, I call them cocktailists. 
I do that's, like that's co- my we term. did talk coptologists. I, I don't say that because that might inv- invite unsolicited dick pics into any it one might. of my oh, There's going to be a lot but, of SJWs who would be offended by that one. <laughs> here we here everyone calls them mixologists. They don't mixologists. make mixes. They make cocktails. Uh, you know what? Any any. Well, any of the quote-unquote mixologists I know here in town are like, no, fuck you, call me a bartender. Yeah. You know, um, but I will say, I feel like here it is a matter of the community taking a step forward, not an individual taking a step forward. It's not all about that. Yes, celebrate the, the, the prizes, the rewards, the recognition that the individuals get, but I feel that the, the cocktail community is looking for the community as a whole. And I think that's really what's setting us apart because yeah. we are, like I said, we're not that big. So you definitely have those shining stars that they are higher and brighter here than they would be anywhere else. But I also think that they help that, out too. Right. And they're also looking to mentor and support. Um, you know, well, I mean, I, we have, we have one bartender who made the, um, uh, Smithsonian thing. Uh, he's got a Smithsonian, Brandon Casey's got a drink in the Smithsonian yes. for the, confla- the conflagration and you know, you may or may not know about it, but anybody who comes in out of town isn't looking to go like, oh, I got to go see and have this drink because yeah. he'd rather spend the time working on his bar and, you know, hanging out and talking to everybody and moving along. Right. It's Having a true community. Having wings at Casey's Woodshed? Yum. Yes. Are we all craving wings? So, so, <laughs> I'm all about wings. So something that's going on in town, too, that we talked a little bit about with Colin, I think is brilliant, is what Cotton Copper's doing. Yeah. The break-even bottles. Mm-hmm. And they just announced today their break-even bottle for the week. It's a 21-year-old special edition Oban. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. So they buy this two or $300 bottle of scotch or whiskey. They had a Jap- Their first one was actually a Japanese whiskey, yep. which was like bottle number like 2,150 out of like 3,000. That's it. And they break it down. They said, we paid this much. It's this many ounces. It's exactly $10.43 per ounce. Right. Limit one ounce per person. And that, that's a practice that started from counterintuitive. That's where I met Sean. I didn't meet him when he was at uh, Culinary Dropout. But I think what he and his team are doing are, is amazing. Like, they are, they're doing the best parts of the cocktails and spirits and, like, introducing stuff. Like, can any of us afford a pour of that? Good point. You're right. You own. wouldn't be able to. No, It'd be I mean, a 50, not with restaurant markup. Board. No way. No, with restaurant markup, we can't. And I think that he's he's bringing that to a place where it, the ordinary Joe, if you will, can try and enjoy and appreciate these things and and want to come back for the next one. And nobody's going to go there just to have their one cocktail for their one ounce cocktail and leave. They're going to stay. They're going to have what? I like to have one chicken wing and don't be on my way. <laughs> but okay. you you had. But if you go there, you'll have one chicken wing and your cocktail. <laughs> right. So at least you're ordering a little <laughs> bit of food. <laughs> so yeah, so but. if you, it, it's a marketing thing, like if you go there, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy the rest of the evening. You're gonna order a second cocktail, a third cocktail. You're gonna get food. right. And it's a beautiful setting, and the great cocktails are fantastic. And you're gonna tell people good. about it. Like we've talked. Yeah. To, I think that is such a great idea. Plus, it takes care of your local community yeah and he's I, I think that they they have made it in a way that that is the go-to community spot my favorite thing is like going into these food and beverage facebook groups that i'm in and seeing people who are not quote-unquote foodies they're not trying to be influencers saying i went to cotton and copper and i had the best experience you know i oh. felt welcome like i'm not a big like i like to drink you know, vodka martinis, it didn't make me feel stupid, like, and the food was good, everything's approachable. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, we are a resort town, and so yeah. you're going to have people who are going to walk in, walk into a fancy establishment and flip-flops and shorts, that it is what it is. But when you're able to take something that's 
and elevated if you go to the major metropolitan areas and you're able to make it so that anybody wants to walk in and try it. That is an accomplishment to me. Yeah. You know, and I, I, to me, like I see a long future for cotton and copper and I, I, I can't wait to see how they reinvent themselves and the iterations that will come from not only Sean, but from the people that work there. It's a culture that we're creating, you know, like that's something that I'm really trying to work on and pushing with Arizona Kata week weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Weekend, I will uh, always say week. I, I know. Because it's, it's eight years or whatever. It's, it's been. It's eighth year. Yeah. It's been bred into us. Like it's yeah. Arizona Cocktail oh. Week. Yeah. And as soon as I saw it was a weekend, I'm like, thank God. Oh, oh everybody's liver, liver immediately. Yeah. There's yeah. insides God. of me are like, thank goodness it's only a weekend now. Yeah. And and I just think that like cocktail culture, like what does cocktail culture mean to us? Like that's something I would love to ask your audience. Like what does it mean to you? Does it mean the vodka soda? I think I actually kind of answer that just a little bit only yeah. because of my experience of wine. I think you should. So getting all the tourists, like and it's we have a ton of tourists that come to the winery. The one thing that's super important is um, that everybody wants to hear a story. The story is what's most important to people than anything else. And that way, when people get to hear a story, they get to sit there and be like, oh, like, I understand where they're coming from, what they're talking about, like how they got started, what they're bringing on and what they're doing. There's, it's the story, you know, you can have an amazing drink. You and I could sit down and have an amazing old fashioned, a great Manhattan. But sometimes it's a story of how did this restaurant get started? How did this bartender get to where they, they appreciate that sometimes, I think a little bit more. The one thing, so I mean, it's a Manhattan. How could you differentiate your Manhattan from everybody else's? I mean, it's without changing, without changing the drink. Yeah. I mean, and and that's one of my gripes. And, and when she gets back, we'll talk about that. Is the fact that too many people have tried to go too far with cocktails. And when I go to a restaurant and I decide I want, I'm, I want to order a cocktail, I don't want to wait 15 minutes for that cocktail. I don't yes. want to wait 20 minutes for the cocktail. I'm glad you're smoking. The olives that you're going to muddle, and I'm glad that you're it's heating it's, up the plank for the smoke. The glass goes on. It's cool if I want that. It, exactly, and you know what? I think you have to find that fine balance between execution and putting your. I mean, and, and putting out a good cocktail maybe? though, because because yeah. honestly, you could spend thirty minutes and you could make me a great cocktail, but you can also spend three minutes and make me a good cocktail too. Yeah, and so I think you have to find that really fine balance between execution and quality because that is one of my biggest gripes and that's something that's happened here in town where they've gone too far to the execution side and then because of yes. the execution it slowed it all down and it's made me very unhappy and a very unhappy customer which is too bad unfortunately yeah we're talking about the the, the negative side of the cocktail culture right now and i'm talking about execution in restaurants oh and, and that's one of those things that has driven me crazy is that i go to this place I hear it's a great cocktail bar. Awesome. I sit down. I look there. I'm like, I'll order this. And then I look in the corner after I order it, and this guy's flaming something. This guy's smoking something. This guy's pureeing something. 36 minutes later, he brings me my cocktail, my one little one-inch cocktail. He goes, here you go. And I'm like, fuck, I'm playing my tab. I got to go. I've got some place to be. Yeah. Like, like, you have to find that balance between putting out a good cocktail mm-hmm. and the and executing it and getting it to me fast enough. When I'm sitting at a bar, I want to get a drink. Yeah. That's one thing, uh, cashmere's. Mm-hmm. I always used to love their wine list. 2,000, 3,000 bottles. Oh, it's a book. So, uh, so, <laughs> so what I would do is I would order a beer mm-hmm. to have while I look through the cocktail yeah. list. Now, if I go to a cocktail bar and I order some fancy cocktail on it on the list, I don't want to wait 
30 minutes for that cocktail to come to me. Agreed. I think that there's a happy medium. And I think that a lot of places are figuring it out. Like, I will say, you know, I've gone back to Columbus, Ohio. I went to Ohio State. Um, they have a really great restaurant and beverage scene um, out there. But there have been a couple places I've gone to where I'm like, uh, why did it take me 14 minutes when I'm sitting in front of you at the bar to get my cocktail? And not because I've ordered something that's like a, a gin fizz, because that's just rude, especially if it's yeah. busy on a Friday. Like, no. But, you know, like, there are people who want to have all the elements of, of a cocktail. But I also enjoy if I'm, if I'm at a cocktail bar on a Tuesday night and there's, it's quiet, you know, to order something that's, you know, or I, I'm all about bartender's choice for those Me who do, too. Right, for unless those it's spotty, because then he makes me something with blue curacao. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that you. Little, that and little shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's our little shit. We I love him. it. But like you know, bartender's choice for those of you who don't know is when you go to a bar and you don't necessarily want to order something off the menu, but you want something to order to order something that is to your taste. Um, for me, for example, um, I blame Arizona cocktail weekend, but I can't really do citrus and cocktails very much anymore because it gives me instant heartburn a lot of the cocktails that are at these events are batched and they have citrus in them to help preserve flavor and which is great and they're great cocktails but they give me like oh it's flame up the esophagus as soon as i drink them so for me if i'm going to a bar i'm gonna like hey you know i really like this drink but i can't have it with the lemon juice or the lime grapefruit's fine um and also Lemon oleo? Have you guys tried this? I've heard of it. Okay. It's like, and I don't know how to describe it. I'm sorry. I should have done some more research. But the guys have gladly introduced me to it because I do love the flavors that citrus, like lemon, brings to a cocktail. And it's kind of like an extract almost. Um, So it's the flavor without the acidity. It's the flavor without the acidity. It's a little bit sweeter. Um, and it's really like, oh, the flavor and it's fantastic by itself too. So if you have that in a cocktail, I can actually enjoy that and not want to off myself <laughs> in the restaurant or at the bar. You need to take a few of those, what are those Prilosec to calm down the heartburn. Uh, Tums, Tum, uh, the reactivated Tums. charcoal. Yeah, it's, it's great. So it's funny you say that only because like my big thing is, is I, I like in the wine world, we have a song, Hey, I'm going to have this dinner. What do you recommend? Your bartender is that out right out of the gate. So my favorite thing to do is, is I, I don't ever do the blind, hey, guys, I just make me whatever you think is good. I think the, hey, uh, I want to drink something doesn't exactly work. So I go in and I always say, I love really smoky stuff. I'm a big smoky fan. So I basically means I want a really cool scotch or a really good mezcal. And I'll be like, listen, I just want a really smoky mezcal. I want it to be really smoky and not sweet. And I'll have... The bartenders I'll go see be like, oh, I got you. Cool. And they'll disappear. And they do that thing where they look at the wall. They give it like a good 10 second look over and they kind of nod to themselves, mm-hmm. stroke their little mustache that sticks off <laughs> face and go, oh, I got it. And then they make me a cool cock and goes, hey, listen, all right, so I use this, 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 and this. It's just a concoction. And honest to God, I think I've once in my entire life of the thousands of coxes went, ooh, I didn't like that because the even the dude screwed it. He realized like, oh my God, I accidentally put way too much sugar into it. Yeah. And every time they nail it for me, I'm like, perfect. I got my smokiness. I got my little citrus or sugariness and they kill it every single time. And, and I think bartenders- You're nice. You must be nicer than I am. I don't know. Like, Oh, you're I, a little more- uh, Well, okay. So I, I, Mezcal and I are not friends. So ooh, I, I worked with- I know, I know. That's my jam. I will, look, I- Everybody has their preferences, right? Yeah. But like, I also worked with Counterintuitive as they headed into their Agua Caliente episode. Real quickly, are they still there or not? They are not. Okay. They closed, I believe, uh, 
late last summer. Maynard bought it. Maynard yeah, I know. He's putting room. Merkin Vineyards in there. Yeah. So they closed. Um, and so, but I was, I was part of, because I wanted to document their R&D for the social media side of things. And yeah, that's fucking fantastic. We're all looking at each other. Whatever we're drinking. While we just drank this Amaro. Can you tell us what we're drinking? We're drinking Amaros. Yeah. Well, what is this particular Amaro? Because holy, so this is a panty This is a second one I just poured you. My pants are different than the first one. So no, I know it's different than the first one. So the first one is Nastra de Oro, which is going to be a companion Southern Italian Amaro, a little more herbaceous. The other one is Santa Maria. Santa Maria is very popular in Italy for being the uber bitter one. It's oh, it's, but it's, so, it's good. so far in the bitter side, but for the people who like a fernet, yes. but don't like the super herbaceousness of it or the the high alcohol of it, we'll typically go to a Santa Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa Maria's are yeah, it's it's a bitter That's, bitter amaro. It is lovely though. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. That's why I poured you just a little bit of each because I wanted your opinion yeah, kind of no, on the two I of mean, them. I mean, like, look, I, fernet I think is is industry like everybody's drinking shots of fernet and their shifts or. Yeah, end of the day, uh, which is great. But Fernet, it, it, the mintiness of it just is too much. But, you know, you, like I said... Jack Daniels gets people into drinking whiskey, but then they figure out there's so much more out there. Oh, my God. You know? Did I ever tell it, you about my Jack Daniels experience? You mean you're about to tell us about your Jack I'm Daniels experience? I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so when I was in college and I was... <laughs> oh, this is about to be amazing. Slightly less than 21. Um, so my my boyfriend in college was uh, 6'4". I'm five. About five five, um, I drank a lot of Jack Daniels. I hadn't really. I wasn't a drinker. But I typically stuck to uh, Michelob Gold. I, I was gonna say like shit. cheap beer, like the rest of yeah. Us, La- and... No, I did fancy beer. I did La- Bat- Rolling Blue. Rock. Oh, La- oh, 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 Canadian oh, beer. Oh, All yes. right, excuse me. We're the, high, the high life, the champagne of beers. No, I, Listen, I'm I've always said Peroni's been my thing, and I feel fancy in Europe, but just garbage Peroni, over here. Peroni in New York with a New York slice of pizza. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Because we're about to have a conversation about pizza. Are we talking fancy New York pizza? No, or like no, real New York I'm talking about street, yeah, talking a, about street a corner. Piece, a piece that's been sitting in the window for an hour that they had to warm up <laughs> yeah, in the Yeah, they throw oven. it back in the oven to warm it up. Yeah. yeah that, that, and a yeah. I just miss Sabaros so much. Oh, you don't like Michael Scott. Oh, uh, I, I love my, it's, listen, Sabaros is the best worst pizza on the planet. Dude, I'm not going to shame you. I know. I, I'm so not. But listen, Unless you said fucking Little Caesars. So anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck Little Caesars. Uh, sorry, they will never be a sponsor on your show that is, at this point. I think we're both okay with that. Yeah, I think, I think I'm okay with that too. All right, so keep going. So anyways, Jack so, uh, my boyfriend at the time had three roommates at a party. Um, I drank a... I'm drinking from a Jack Daniels I'm drinking this beautiful Maro out of Jack Daniels glass. We need to get Damien some better yes. like spirits glasses. I'm drinking a Top of the Rocks <laughs> beer glass. <laughs> He's drinking a Maro out of a... I don't even know what's out of a, Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is I mean, he's got all these glasses for wine, but nothing for spirits. So we'll have to figure this out. But anyway, so um, they had a party and I drank, um, I want to say a fifth of Jack Daniels. I do not remember the end of the party. I do remember waking up in his bed by myself and had no idea what was going on. I wasn't hungover because, of course, I was like 20. Still drunk. It's great. No, when you're 20, like, who's hungover? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like, you're like, everything's great all the time. Like, let me eat some Taco Bell and I'll Give me some French fries and I'm good. Yeah, I, right? I think I could eat Chipotle three times a day when yeah. I was 21. But I was like, oh, my hand's kind of sore. And I wake up and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. So I get up and I walk out and his roommate starts laughing. 
And I was like, what happened? They're like, you totally punched him at the party and knocked him out and went to bed. What? And so I have not really drank Jack Daniels since then. Why is it whiskey makes everybody angry? I mean, most for most people, it's tequila. Which I don't, I think it's, I, tequila I say, I've okay. never heard a country song that ended with, oh, I hopped in my okay, truck because, when I tequila I'm sorry, those country ex- songs, are they drinking tequila? They're, no, they're not. It's true. It's, yeah, it's they're drinking ex-girlfriends. Right, and, and they're not drinking gin. No, yeah. they're certainly not. <laughs> so, Do you ever think country people think that they're actually the problem at this point? It's not the whiskey and the beer and that they I, just suck sometimes. No, that that's all they know. So I lived in I lived in that town. I'm it good. is fine, but everybody I know who's always like, man, this one time I drank Jack Daniels or something was I was like, I got in a well, fight. Well, I think like, what? I mean, you hear a lot of people here, like in Arizona, talking about tequila. But I think if we're drinking like Saza, like. This is uh, your problem. This is not the tequila. I think people who drink Sousa, that well mezcal and whatever, are so sick by the time they get violently drunk <laughs> that they're passed out or puking, so they can't be a terrible human being at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack Daniels, I, you could just keep going. I will say, like, I appreciate mezcal as like an accent in my drink. See, I love See, like real mezcal. No, that's not cool. not with a worm, but like real good. But it's so smoky, like it's mezcal very works great with amaros. Those two together complement each other they so. Do. Each other perfectly really well. yeah really a little mezcal amaro have you ever had a mezcal negroni please no but i'm what going to now fuck, hold on <laughs> hold on um let me just tell you hold on i'm just going in my phone I'm larger my phone. and the delta um i went in there for brunch i was hungover shit and i was like oh and the girl who was bartending was like can we like do this like mezcal little cold brew as part of it because mezcal I mean, cold brew yeah I, Negroni, oh, and it's, it's on the fucking menu now. So we, I'm just gonna go ahead and take my own credit because we walked in and sh- I ordered that. And she's like, "This is on the menu because you." I was like, "What's up?" We got to hit up Larder in the Delta though. So oh that's another gosh. place All that right, is just my phone. Killing it right. Negroni is gonna be the next drink I have. So, yeah. so other places that, in your opinion, are just killing it right now because we know some of the specific ones. Yeah. We have been around for a couple of years. Bitter and twisted. Uh, the Gladly slash Citizen Public House. Yeah. Um, Little Rituals, I think, is going to be the next hotspot. Where's it Little is, Rituals at? Little Rituals is a speakeasy tucked inside the, Mar- uh, the Marriott Residence Inn, which is immediately south of um, Bitter and Twisted, right off of Central. Oh, okay. Yeah. So right still up- by the arena. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. right there, um, but it's on the fourth floor. And I will say, make reservations. Um, we wouldn't have gotten in on Saturday if we... We basically ran into some friends. It was like, can we just stay with them? Yeah. Uh, uh, French fries are fucking amazing. Uh, I got, I got I the secret to her heart Wings now. French I get fries, fries, Wings and French fries. I know. I know. So, um, so I will say, like, definitely that's, that is a place that you need to go. Trato. Um, if you guys haven't been, but that's a more of a restaurant. I don't think of that as a cocktail bar. You know what? I will say, I agree with you, but I will also say when you set that bar, like it's so intimate and it's the, the attention to detail that they have created there is fantastic. Like you can sit at the bar there, have a plate of pasta that is beautiful, beautifully made. Um, and really just have a nice evening. Like whether you're, ha- you're there for like, I literally went there last week. I haven't been there in a long time, which is unfortunate, but literally like went in there, had some cocktails with some of the guys that are involved in Arizona cocktail weekend with Young's market, um, and shared a plate of pasta and it was fucking awesome. And I was like, why have I not been here? You're so smiling as you're talking about yeah, it. Yeah. I, could, I could tell you're just like lighting up as yeah, you're explaining it. Like, yeah, it's so good. So like those kinds of experiences, like 
you know, Melinda's Alley uh, in the basement of um, the Renaissance downtown Phoenix is a great little spot. It's super sexy with the red lights and they have a limited menu there. Um, but I they, think that's good sometimes. I like that. I like the limited menu sometimes versus giving you this big, oh, broad yeah. open thing. I'm so you super kind of focus fucking indecisive. I'm like, uh, like, what do you want to drink? I don't know. Get, like, and I, oh, my totally unnecessary drink? Chartreuse. Uh, Fuck Saint my life. Yeah. Yep. As Saint Germain's. It's actually ma- a master sommelier's uh, tends to be their go-to unnecessary yeah. drink. I've actually drank chartreuse late night with Emily Wines, mm-hmm. who is a lady. Her, she does have the best last name ever. She does. <laughs> yeah. That's what like, you said last yeah. time. No, I know. I, I was listening to the podcast. I'm like, she has the best last name ever. Like, what? My last name does not mean these things. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. That's fucking awesome. You know, but there's so many great little spots in town, and I feel like there's so many places that are underrated too. I mean, do you feel most of them are building that downtown area, or there's like a good spread? Um, I think that like it depends on where you go too, like what part of town you're in, um, like Citizen Public House, for example. Um, calling your dropouts, and the bartenders there know what the fuck they're doing. So yeah. if you ask for a bartender's choice, they're going to provide that for you, and in a good way. Um, you know, but like. If you're going to a place like the keg and you're expecting, you mean Red Lobster doesn't make great cocktails? Because uh, their kamikazes are fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if you've had butter lobster and kamikaze that's ninety percent sugar. Didn't even well, think about pairing the two, and now I'm, I'm terrified. Saying, well, we should have a terrible food and terrible drink pairing. Night. Uh, you know what? I actually think I want to do like a um, fast food burgers and fries and wine pairing with Damien. Ooh! Oh. I, I, I'm, throw, yeah. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I'm just saying, champagne and KFC might be one of the best combos on the planet. My, my buddy, champagne and French fries? Fuck yes! Yeah, my my buddy actually did that. He actually this. he was interviewed for Wine Enthusiast magazine, uh-huh. and they asked him about like magical pairings, and he was like, champagne and French fries. Maybe that's oh, what it is, yeah. the deep fry, that fried and champagne. Yeah, he brought yeah. that up. I'm I mean, about this. Let's do crappy crappy meal and great wine food pairing. I'm, I'm bringing the wings. Maybe that'll that'll be your blind pairing. Yeah. I'll be like, here's the wings. Here's the wings. You have five minutes. Mm. I like it. We we want to do actually like a a dinner with some chefs and some cocktail people yeah. in town and do like a uh, our version of a I, full show and po- cocktail pairing dinner, wine dinner. Yeah, I had my I what say, the fuck uh, the what the the WTF pairing the what the fuck pairing. It's we're I like make that the you, you define that. For yeah, us. what does WTF mean? <laughs> so for Pardon all you me. ladies and men out there wondering, <laughs> WTF is what the fuck? No, yeah, what the fuck pairing? It's okay. Why are we having this food with this pairing and somehow make it work in mm-hmm. a weird way, like a fried chicken or French fries and champagne? Like when you walk in the door, there's a bottle chicken. of champagne. Oh. Well, <laughs> well yeah. that was that was a sound of affection. That was, uh-huh. I got real happy about that. <laughs> now are we talking like real orange chicken or Panda Express? I'm talking about chicken? Panda Express. Excellent. Fast food. Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> We're going to have a Taco Bell quesadilla, orange chicken from Panda Express. He keeps talking about doing a Chipotle tasting with like I already did it, by the way. Whatever. Did you see my Instagram? I did see your Instagram. Marsan and uh, oh, Chipotle. Boy. What am I going to do with these? Gosh. Yeah. But... I mean, a lot of drinking, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Um, let me recover from cocktail week. Um, everybody's like, oh, let's get, get together and have a drink. And I'm like, yeah. Turn your phone off for two days. Yeah, the- I'm like, let me recover. Like, I need a week off. So the three big events for cocktail week are the, the DJ event. Yeah, we've got the cocktail jam on February 16th, which is our signature kickoff event. Um, it takes the place of the cocktail carnival. Um, and then we've got top bars, which is... I mean, that event's going to set, like, we're so close to selling out. So if you guys haven't 
purchase tickets. How many bars do you have now for this? Uh, I think we have confirmed. Uh, you know what? I need to look. I want to say it's 32. 30-ish. Yeah, That's awesome. 30-ish. Okay. And from all around the country and apparently a couple from the world? Yeah, there, there is a couple from um, abroad. So um, we've got, you know what? I'm going to look it up really quick because my phone yeah, is right here. Yeah, for people who are listening, so we I've done this before years back when it was obviously just American stuff, and they brought in a couple uh, bars from, it was New York, Las Vegas, LA, yep. and the bartenders who were representing them came out and showcased what they're doing there with, what was it, three drinks? I think it was like a three drink. Two to two three drink. drinks. Yeah. So we've got like Deadshot coming in from Portland, um, and I'm sorry guys, I'm looking this up as we go, so Yeah, it's pardon really me. cool. Like It's just yeah. awesome to see what other bars can do because yeah. even though somebody could bring an awesome cocktail to the table you can get the experience of somebody who does the same thing and brings like a little twist to it i agree i mean we've got cafe stepping stone from columbia um we've got a bar from greece as well um but the what this one's really cool you can bring someone from halfway around the world really excited that's really fun so <laughs> are they pouring ouzo <laughs> no <laughs> pouring fancy things thank god <laughs> but what i think is interesting is that you know i think and I'm not sure how this translates into the wine world, but with cocktails, like there are certain recipes that are kind of streamlined. Like they are, the classic cocktails are classic cocktails for a reason. They they have stood the test of time. They have elements that work across the board, but you can switch them out. Like the mezcal Negroni, for example. Like, yeah, okay, you can do gin or you can do mezcal. Like you can switch out certain things in them and enjoy a different flavor profile, but essentially it's the same cocktail. Boulevardier, or a Negroni, yeah. it's the same fucking cocktail. But when you're tasting it from people who have a different flavor profile that have different experiences with these cocktails, I think it's fucking fascinating. So I think it's mostly a coming from a wine side, the land speaks for the wine. You could have Cabernet from California, Cabernet yep. from Washington, Cabernet from France, Cabernet from Italy, and it's all gonna be different, but the land has to speak for that. Mm-hmm. In this case, what we're saying is the people of the country speak for the cocktail. Yep. So yeah, you can have a Manhattan that's American built, which is bourbon right or an old-fashioned is right or am i reversing that uh old-fashioned is bourbon okay yeah so then you can might kind of make the same drink in another country but they use a different liquor to make that drink and all of a sudden you're like okay it's similar but very different in a weird way so they could be like listen it's similar to an old-fashioned or it's similar to a margarita like you might make a margarita in Mm -hmm. another country but instead of using tequila they use a rum and they use different things or like a white russian where you've got like you know, yeah, it, it's so weird to say, but I mean, we started this podcast drinking Negronis. A Negroni yeah. is equal parts of three separate liquors, but I could go to 10 bartenders here in town and order Negroni and all 10 of them will taste completely different. Yeah. yeah. And I agree. And that's also like with the Amaro that you use or, you know, like for me, when I, it's like when I do a Boulevardier, which is a variation of a Negroni, I like to have it be heavier on the rye. So I use an ounce and a half of rye, an ounce of sweet vermouth, an ounce of Campari. So, and then orange peel for garnish. So, like, it's How do you say p- that? Boulevardier? Yeah. I gotta remember that one. Because I'm a big fan of rye. So that's yeah. something I really want to try. And it's, it's a solid cocktail. And it's definitely, like, this kind of weather. Like, this is the kind of weather where I want to drink bourbon, which is why my gin martini thing that I'm going through right now. <laughs> we have three weeks of drinking good, co- like, cold, wet, cold weather wet. cocktails. Oh, it's I was r- just going to say, it's such a weird place because this is, you would think that most of the state falls in two categories. You get your cold weather drink for a mm-hmm. short time and then a lot of, like, light stuff, obviously getting yeah. ready for most of our summer. Like Michelob Ultra. Yeah. Little little Coors <laughs> Original if you're feeling ambitious. <laughs> or Miller High Life. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Have you seen that they had yeah. an actual oh, yeah. champagne bottle? Oh, no, I took bottle. a picture of it, and Excellent. I had a lot of people try and shame me. like, don't get that. And I'm like, I didn't actually buy it, but, you know. Our first podcast, we drank Zima. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> Our set, very first podcast. We set it up. Like, we did an right awesome Zima. You guys set the bar high. Yeah. Yes, we did we a did. really dope rosé and a Zima. When I was in college, um, and I wasn't, obviously, I had not drank. My first drink ever was Budweiser from a keg, and I was warm. Ugh. Sounds about right. Yeah, I almost threw up into my own cup, which was So great. you were just basically, you know, drinking Budweiser because yeah, that's what much, it tastes like? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so our, our quote-unquote first mixed drinks were Zima and Boone's Farm Mai Tai. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you almost threw up in your mouth. <laughs> How do you... Like a Mai Tai had a Boone's no, Farm. No, no, it's Boone's Farm Mai Tai. It's oh, not, no, like, it's you know the, how it's Strawberry Hill? Like, oh, no, it's not a mixed drink. No, that's the drink. That's the oh, drink. Oh, Jesus. It's yeah, tap dancing yeah, Christ. It's yeah. My, yeah, Jesus was tap dancing on his own grave. And was, it was not good. My buddy in Nantucket used to do Zima with a, a, a fireball in it. And, and that was like his cocktail. Like it was like Man, literally that, that, that guy <laughs> missed out on billions of dollars. No, he, I, he owned a restaurant in Nantucket and it was his most popular drink it was Azima poured on ice with a fireball. And all he like had to do was red hot in it. it. What on fucking earth? Um, I did see a <laughs> meme that was going around about um, and I actually sent it. So my boyfriend is doing dry January. Uh, mad props to all of you doing dry January. I'm doing like a moist January. <laughs> 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 Which is good for me. But so he and his best friend are doing dry so January. We should, moist March might be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we're doing dry January. So cringe. I sent them this meme and it was um, waking up for breakfast like. And it's a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which we all love some Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, of course. But they had poured Fireball in as a liquid. And I am not on board. Uh, I got nothing. I got, that's just, that's the most redneck thing I think I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> oh my God. Sure. Wait, what do you, did you try that one? I haven't okay. tried that I one. Gotta, I got it. I need a drop of ice though. I yeah. do need a drop that's of ice. That's why, well, they're melted now. Sorry. I get you one. <laughs> Ooh. Fancy. It is fancy. Yeah, get it out of there. So, um, so, so of course, you know, we're a, a, a wine driven podcast, but yeah. this, this has been all about cocktails tonight because <laughs> yes. I have got to throw in the cocktails well, and the like, food. Literally, you're my cocktail guru in town. Like when I see you, like <laughs> I don't expect to go to a wine bar and see you. I expect to go to like Bitter and Twisted and see you. Yeah. So we started with Negronis. Uh-huh. We, we used, uh, of course, uh, Campari, which is in yeah. all of them. You yes. can't really mess with that. No. I used Boodle's gin. Yes. Which is a London dry. I prefer a dry gin in my as do I. In my Negronis. And I hadn't had Boodles in forever. I actually like aviation a lot in it, even though it's a little more citrusy. Aviation, no, I think I think aviation I think aviation really changed the gin game. I give them mad props and I give Rich Hyder, who's now with Campari, like mad props for really like bringing attention to it here in this the Phoenix market, as well as like making it approachable. I agree, hundred um, percent. And you know, Brian Reynolds is nice to look at, so I'm not mad about wait, that. Wait, wow, wait, that's a great you're, marketing you're, scheme. <laughs> at, at that Brian point, Reynolds, even I'm getting wet over from Brian Reynolds right now. <laughs> well, well, getting wet? Are you sweating? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, okay. Getting into the <laughs> the gin business and the vodka business is pushing a rock up the hill. A number of years ago, it yeah. was it was impossible to break into the vodka business. There was so many flavored vodkas. Kettle One bought everything. Yes. Holy the, crap! Pinnacle sweet. came out with everything too. With oh, the I remember. Cream. Peanut butter and jelly vodka, and 
glazed donut vodka well, and oh they had butter popcorn vodka. so i i was over at r&r and we used pinnacles bacon oh, whipped no. cream or whatever and our bloody marys and it was <laughs> so awful yeah no it, that's the way we all thought but we sold the shit out of it oh my it was god so i bad. do remember i'm going pretty to sure R&R. it gave everybody cancer probably i do remember having a grilled cheese there that tastes like feet i've never gotten over it it's probably the yeah, one that's, worst that's, things I've ever put in my mouth. Right. Well, we changed we once we started doing bottomless bloody marys and mimosas, the it was a lot of vomit all over the place. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that might have been it too. That was actually before the bottomless era. Ugh. But oh yeah. The yeah, because watching... there was a three cheese grilled cheese and nobody who actually worked there ever ordered it. <laughs> no, it was that like I remember sending it back and the girl was like, you know, it's and I'm like, no, it tastes like feet. And she was like uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It's what happens when you put three fancy cheeses that sound like they'd be good together, but they don't work together no, at all. No, it tastes like Ooh. athlete's foot. Great. On bread. <laughs> you're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> Back to Negronis. Yeah. So we oh, start yeah. with Negronis. Speaking of ingredients that do work so, together. So, so when I order Negronis, I literally care the most about the vermouth. Uh, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I literally... And people are like, really? Like, that's what you're curious about but that to me is the most important part i actually agree with you because here's the thing like gin is fairly solid like you can have a really good negroni whether you're having it with aviation or with beef eater i mean if i'm having if i'm making mass negronis like if i'm having like six friends over and i'm making negronis for six people yeah beef eater is like a good go-to it's not really gonna mess with the flavor of the negroni right and like and i have oranges for my parents tree and like so the orange oils are gonna be nice the campari is solid but i totally agree so you want to tell me why it's because there is really bad vermouth right now in the market. <laughs> so it's, what's what's your least favorite vermouth? Cinzano. Like the, the well stuff, the, the Martini and Rossi. The stuff that's at uh, Outback Steakhouse on the rail that they splash into a Manhattan real quick. It's just like the generic $5 bottle that every bar had to have and they didn't understand why they had to have it, but there was just a bottle there mm-hmm. and there was no care ever put into it. You were told that this had to go in the drink, but you didn't know why it had to go That's in the it. drink. That's it. Right, and, and also people not knowing that vermouth should, for the most part, be refrigerated. Like, and it has a shelf life. Yes. And, and this is crazy because I, I don't know this at all. And I know those vermouths because that's what my grandparents used. That's what we used at certain bars that we were at. But I, he, Damien brought me onto the idea of like, there is good vermouth. Mm-hmm. I've never had it by itself, but I will say that he pointed me to a Negroni in one time and said, no, 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 you got to use this vermouth and give it like a shot on it. And it does make a difference. And I never understood why. I didn't realize it had to be refrigerated. You need to actually put well, the Well, it has time a shelf life. And I actually had no idea as well. I, I'm right there with you. Um, I just remember there was a Facebook uh, discussion is a very nice way of putting it. But uh, Travis Nass and Steph Teslar, between the two of them, like, but they were educating and it was an argument, but it was actually like a very educational argument. And I had no idea. I was like, I didn't realize there's a shelf life for vermouth. To me, I thought it was shelf steady. Like I could have it and I could. It's, a, it's just a, there forever. It's basically, it's, it's almost like a wine in a lot of yeah. ways. It's like having a bottle of white wine that sits on your counter for 30 straight days. And now you're going to pour it into a cocktail. Yeah. Would you ever, would you pour somebody a Chardonnay after it's sat on open on your counter for 30 straight days. No, absolutely not. You might cook with it, but you're sure as hell aren't going to drink it in a cocktail. Yeah. Whereas that's vermouth for you. Yeah. So for me, this I use Dolan. Mm-hmm. I, I I like Dolan a lot. It's not as sweet as Carpano. Yeah. Those are my two go-tos. Carpano I, is solid, but I will say like, you know, like my boyfriend 
like doesn't he doesn't really know much about cocktails and has been obviously like it's such a big part of my day to day like definitely you like, think <laughs> a little bit um, but like learning and you know so like we went to we went shopping for some spirits yesterday and so like he went to go pick up like the sweet vermouth that he's familiar with and I was like let's get the Dolan like the Dolan sweet vermouth the Dolan dry is so hard to find. I was like, let's go with this. And he's like, I, I don't know. And I'm like, it's fine. You, you'll notice a difference as you drink it. And of course, he can't till dry January is over. But um, I think that it's like trying to educate through experience, whether it's cocktails or anything else. I think you just nailed it right there. Educate through experience is the best way to yeah. do it. Because you could tell somebody something. But that's probably one of the best things I've heard is education through experience. How are you going to know how good that cocktail is till somebody sits there with you mm-hmm. and says, listen, here's why you should not have... You know, what'd you say, Martin Martin Rossi? Martini and Rossi. Martini, Martini and Rossi vermouth, but try Dolan or try this one and give them the idea of go, holy crap, because if you pour somebody a Negroni with bad vermouth, yeah. they'll never drink a Negroni. No. But if you give them with a good blend of something, all of a sudden they're really turned on to it. Right, and I, I think that you have to try those things. Like you have to try the the bottom of the barrel, if you will, and you have to try yes. the, the high-end stuff. Like, you don't know. Like there are You certain... need to hit the rock bottom to, to know how bad it can be until you have that real good, oh, there it is. That's yeah. what it should if be. If all you've driven is a Ferrari your whole life, you don't even realize what the rest of us are dealing with. Right. You like, know? you got to start with a Corolla like me. Yes. Yeah. And then move up. If you eat McDonald's your whole life and all of a sudden you have capital grill or whatever i'm saying like wow all right that's a <laughs> real burger yeah but so when it, i think vermouth is the next big thing you're going to start seeing Low in the market ABV cocktails is a yes. big trend that's happening now as nice. well yes. as you know no abv seed lip um and like which had do you know about seed lip we're talking I, like mocktails yeah but seed lip is like a, a non-alcoholic spirit so like if you want a gin and tonic and you're don't drink Seed lip is your answer. Really? Yeah. So it's something that tastes similar? It tastes pretty much on par with, like, you can have a seed lip old-fashioned, and so you can have that flavor profile without the alcohol. Um, it's much different than, like, non-alcoholic wine, which is, in my opinion, absolute it's, garbage. You can't, yeah, well, because it has to go through reverse osmosis in a right. lot of cases, and it strips 90% of flavor. Right. So then, so what are you calling the seed lip? Seed lip is the, the name of the spirit, Yeah. Okay. So, and they have, I, I believe, whiskey or bourbon. I can't remember if it's one or the other. Um, and then, like, they have other variations, but they're actually really well done. That's and I think it's important to have that. Like, you know, when you have friends who, like, my account manager who works with me with Arizona Cocktail Weekend, she is in recovery. She just celebrated two years, two weeks ago. Um, awesome. And she's amazing, but she also uh, understands and appreciates cocktail culture. So, like, she gets like the flavor profiles and how to talk about them and all of that, but doesn't like to partake. Yes, you know, uh, I've, I've had sober friends that just drink tonic with lime in it, so that it looks yeah. like they're drinking a cocktail. It kind of reminds them of drinking a vodka tonic, and yeah, so they can still go out and party, but they're not drinking. Yeah, yeah, and I think sea lip is kind of an answer to that as well, as just opposed to just tonic and and lime or whatever like if you're trying and and i feel like there's so much social pressure too for people to be like oh well you're not drinking and like i don't care you know like my boyfriend's not drinking and and he you know still go out and still have fun yeah and he's like i feel like he's also reassuring me like you know i don't care and i'm like well i don't care either like that this is a free dd yeah (laughs) i don't expect it but like (laughs) i also like 
I get it. Like, you don't want to do this. You want to have this discipline, like, especially after the holidays. And it's madness during the holidays with everything that's going on. So I get, like, wanting to take a break and all that. But, like, I just remember being at Pig and Pickle recently for brunch. <laughs> and the server came up to the bartender and she's like, so there's somebody who wants to have a gin and tonic with no gin. Like a gin and tonic mocktail. And we're all like... <laughs> and they don't carry seed lip just yet, but... Like I could see that being a trend. It's like it's a very small that was something niche I, thing, but it definitely is. I mean, to St. Paul is the St. Pauli girl or duels? I mean, St. Pauli girl does make a non-alcoholic it. version yeah. that's actually Apparently better than the O'Doul's. Coors light version of the non-alcoholic beers, according to my account manager, is the best. So yeah. I, I read this little article about the top uh, trends right now in the cocktail mm-hmm. business, and that was actually one of the big things they talked about was the. I don't. They didn't bring up seed lip, but they brought up the non-alcoholic yeah. alcoholic and cocktails. And low ABV is really where you know vermouth-based cocktails. Um, and again, Trato, like I mean, Blaze has been working on that stuff for a couple of years now, and like they have their house-made vermouth, and it's beautiful. Like it's definitely yeah. worth you, you know go and and sip on that and well, order I mean, your pasta and eat the bread. It kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier with the beers and the IPAs. We do like to go have our drinks, and I like to drink beer, but I do like my low alcohol beer. I like the Pilsners and the Lagers, those things that are 4-5%. Now, a good IPA is fun, but you have one or two, and you're drunk, and I, you I, don't want to be there yeah, with it. Sometimes I, you want to enjoy your company with the people that you're around, and mm-hmm. you don't want to be that guy who's so far past everybody else by having or a like big Or like you're on a bad date all the time. All the time. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy you drink- accidentally swiped right, and we're like, oh, shit, now I got obliged to go on a Oh, date. you're way nicer than I am. I'm all like, unmatched. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Um, try being like... I love Phoenix. I've Holy been crap, here for almost 16 years, crazy. but I will say like I'm a woman of color and uh, I am quote unquote exotic, which is not my favorite way to be described. I do not like it. Um, but there's plenty of guys who are like, Hey, I'm all like, <laughs> I gotta go. Like just cause I'm like, I am just a different color. Well, well example when I, him and I were texting over the weekend about today's show, uh-huh. and he's like, "So, are you?" I'm like, "I'm gonna have my good friend Kirti on." Oh uh-huh. man, this and, one and I said, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, "Yeah, the the boozy brown girl." By the yeah. way, he didn't tell me who you were because I know you through you know random and ga- like you know whether yeah. it was the the uh, Matt's uh, wine party and yeah. all these things. So he goes, "We're having the boozy brown girl," and I was like, "Oh, so her last name is Brown?" She goes, "No, it's because she is brown." I mean, it was like, <laughs> "Yeah, so we could have some fun with this." one <laughs> My for blog a while. is called Boozing with the Brown Girl. I love the boo- yes. booze mafia and, and oh, booze mafia. So great. Hashtag booze mafia. But that's, that's why I was like, I was like, I I wouldn't say that normally, but that's your blog. That's your Twitter handle, I believe, is still boozy brown the boozy brown girl. Handle. I love it. Turned yeah. into the skid and made it a whole thing. I mean. It's sometimes just gotta own it. I mean, here's the thing. So I, when I came back from that book tour, uh, and I decided like, oh, I want to embrace this side of things, and definitely I want to be expanding more and more of my marketing and and media relations into that arena. Um, but my boyfriend at the time was like, I was like, I don't know what to call it. I was working on stuff, and he was like. She called boozing with the brown girl. I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Cause who doesn't want to booze with the brown girl?" I'm like, "It's it's brilliant. It really yeah. is. I mean, <laughs> there, there's a PC culture right now that kind of drives me crazy. Yeah, and I love the fact that you just you just own it and have fun with it and just go with it. Plus, it it encompasses your personality. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I come from this family. My parents are so straight laced. I mean, I think they're freaking badasses. They came here from India like forty six years ago. You have, oh. don't you have like hashtags like for your mom's name? Tiny, tiny moms, tiny, tiny parents, parents. Tiny, yeah. parents. <laughs> tiny parents. Yeah, I'm like, I know your hashtags yeah. by your parents. I'm like, they're they're. I'm five five. My dad's maybe five three. My mom's about four oh, eleven. Wow. So you're the tall one in the family. Yes. Yeah, Hashtag tiny parents. Tiny parents and <laughs> awesome. like. You know, they are also like, they have really embraced what I'm doing. Like I. That's uh, awesome that you have parents that'll do that for you. uh, Uh, Let me stop you. They're a little traditional uh, too, I'm sure. Yeah, they're very, very traditional. Like, look, I'm 41 and I'm single. Like, obviously they have understood. That's right. My family was super English and I had two black, my two best friends are black guys and they were living in the house and they were like, oh, so how is that going? Like, do you have to lock your doors? I'm like, no, these are my best friends. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, like different I generations. Mean, my parents different tried to learn man. and I, I, I give them mad props. I mean, they came over here like I have an older brother. He was born over there. They came over here to give us all a better life. And like, they have no idea. Like they have an idea of what I do, but they don't like, they gave you the better life. They just didn't realize where it was going to go. Right. And I, you know, like we had, I remember having conversations with them in my late teens and early twenties and like, you know, Oh, you need to marry an Indian man. Like, you know, like, and I call it like the, uh, uh, the Maslow's, the hierarchy of needs, you know, but like the, the Indian marriage edition, which was like when I was 22, it was all like, oh, we want a man who is a Brahmin, you know, like with the caste system. So we're yeah. Brahmins. Uh, we want a Brahmin. He's, he needs to be a doctor. He needs to do this. And oh, oh you're going to do this. And I love like, how you're putting the little accent. Oh, the accent too. too. The accent just flows out of my mouth. Uh, but like, you know, and then it's like when I was 28, it's like, oh, well, if he's Brahmin, that's good. You know, if he's Indian, that's really great. That's all we want. And now they're all like, as long as it's a man, (laughs) 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 we don't care. You know, like if he's nice, that's cool. You know, like they're trying. See, so that proves that time breaks down all barriers. They're, they're trying. Um, I, I, Megan Finnerty uh, invited me to be a part of Storytellers, the Storytellers oh, Project. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's that, that, Valley Bar, when they do that? Uh, this was at uh, Tempe Center of the Arts. Yes. They have a, yeah. So, and it was like That's one of those cool random thing. fall nights where it rains cats and dogs. So, like, oh my God, getting there was a nightmare. And, like, I'd invited <laughs> my parents because they didn't, they didn't really understand what I was doing. And so, like, and I got up on stage and I started telling the story. And, uh, it was actually really cool because That's we went awesome. back to my house and my dad hugged me and he's like, I get it. He's like, you're always building a community. So it was really awesome. And so for me, like, you know, social media is a big part of my life. Obviously I do it every day for myself, for all of my clients. Um, my mother is alive because of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I found her kidney donor back in 2011. Holy crap. Yeah. So my mom is like, when people are like, Tanya's bullshit. And like, that's literally when I get super stabby. I'm all like, you want to fuck off? Like my mom. And so you, like, know what oh. it, you know what it seems like you are? It's like you're the person who in the town square was the person who would come out and do like the hear ye, hear ye thing and everybody would come in. You're the, you're the person who brought everybody <laughs> into the town square. You know, back in medieval times, you had the town square where everybody was talking and going and the person who stood on that soapbox and was mm-hmm. constantly screaming, that's what Twitter is and it's your platform and you have a huge following because of it. I, it's amazing. You found somebody that actually saved your mother's life Yeah, my mom's alive because of it. I mean, my boyfriend, I met him on Twitter, but we met eight years ago. It's amazing. Twitter is... 
the new town square. Yeah, almost. I will say so. Uh, for my birthday this past year, um, Four Roses Bourbon, uh, my friend Dan is uh, uh, one of the managers there. So he and I have met on Twitter many a few years back, and so he's been inviting me out, and I just haven't been able to make it happen. Like whether it's time of year or whatever. So finally, like it was like, let's go out there for my birthday, and so we went out there, went to the Bourbon Trail. And had an amazing day. My birthday was fucking awesome. And we're staying at the Brown Hotel, which is where they put us up. And um, and there was the same weekend as a bourbon and something festival. You're staying at the Brown Hotel? I know, right? I totally <laughs> have a picture in front of the Brown Hotel. <laughs> so, um, But it's this beautiful historic hotel. And um, they had this festival that was going on. And it fucking rained cats and dogs that whole day. And I'm so glad we didn't go to the festival. <laughs> so it was like Robert Plant and Lenny Kravitz were headlining. Oh, so, so I was like, oh, I want to go. And I was like, you know what? No, I'd rather just do the Bourbon Trail. And so... My best friend from that lives in Ohio, she and her husband were with us, and we had this great day on the Bourbon Trail. It's awesome. And so we went to dinner. We come back. Bobby and I decide to have a nightcap at the bar and end up talking to this super Long Island East Coast Jew who now lives in Florida. <laughs> She's like, I live in Sarasota. I'm like, okay, scary. And so we end up talking to this, this dude who's sitting at the bar. His name is Carlos. And um, Carlos, turns out, is a backup singer for John Mayer, who is also performing. Um, he is part of uh, the Grateful Dead. Like, yeah. he's replaced Jerry Garcia. And yeah. So, um, so we ended up talking to him. And so he's like, so how'd you guys meet? Like, you guys seem to, like, you guys seem great together. And we're like, yeah, I've been dating for, like, a month. You know? And he's like, well, how'd you meet? I was like, Twitter. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, I just deleted my Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sorry. Yeah, just yeah. so, yeah. By the way, I, I can't drink this. So let's give you a little promotion. Like, how do people look you up on Twitter, Instagram? Like, what's your handle? Well, if you want my super unfiltered, non-PC version of me, which is me, uh, Boozy Brown Girl. Um, so my agency, we, we specialize in digital uh, outreach, digital and social media. Uh, but also traditional. I have an MBA in marketing from Arizona State University. And <laughs> the ASU. Uh-huh. You don't have a trademark <laughs> that way. Um, but my my agency is called DIA Marketing. And it's not an acronym because people are like, oh, DIYA, is that an acronym? I'm like, what would it be an acronym for? Do it yourself, asshole? Like, no, that's not it. But that's my agency. Um, it, it so is that your? Do you, have, do you have a website then too? Yeah, DIY marketing. Um, so it's DIYA marketing. Yeah, and don't judge me on my website. It's no. very much the cobbler's kids have no shoes awesome. situation. <laughs> I fully own it. Wait, you didn't talk once about your website. It's all about your Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like, and again, I go back to like Facebook is for people used to know, Twitter's for people you're supposed to know, and Instagram is Twitter for people who can't read. But I think that you find your community. You find your like what you relate to. You know, I've met some really amazing people off of all social networks. Obviously, Twitter has completely changed my life, which I think is amazing. Um, I don't know if my mother would be around if it weren't for Twitter. But also, I've made some amazing friends off Instagram, and I've created this, not, I haven't created it, but that community has developed out of Instagram outreach and interacting with people. You know, uh, Cocktail Maven, if you guys follow her on Instagram, um, Whiskey is Everything, they have become very, very good friends of mine. And I, 
that's not something I, I don't think I would have met. It's an awesome community to reach out yeah. through finding people through social media. Things yeah. Really and there, awesome. there's no hierarchy. There's not like this whole thing of like, Oh, you need to be a certain way. Like it's just good people connecting on, on the things that make you passionate and make you happy. And I think that's really what social media should be about. I, you know, like, yes, there's always going to be the people who are like, Oh, I got my eyebrows microbladed here or whatever. But I think that when it really comes down to it, you will connect with the people that you're supposed to connect with. You'll find your community. You will find your people. And build you know. a community, too. Yeah. Other I agree. For cocktails, for drinks, wine, whatever it is. Right. Well, I'll tell you, I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking with this us. This has been awesome. I feel, like we, I feel like we could stay here for another three hours. I know. I feel like we've talked but, for but, so but, long. I'm but, so sorry. But, but, so but we will go oh, ahead I and loved we'll, every do, second of this. we'll do part B another time. And we'll yes. just continue this conversation. But come out to Arizona Cocktail Weekend. Come out to the events. Yeah. What days are the It's officially. February 16th to the 18th there will be a couple events on the 15th um, you know come out have a good time please drink responsibly please get home responsibly I think that's the most important part of it are they doing a promotional thing with Uber or Lyft at all for people we're working on some stuff right okay. now um, I'm also working on a couple like we're working on a little uh ticket deal for the cocktail jam with phoenix magazine who is our official media partner mm-hmm. um so and there will be two ticket giveaways with very phoenix cool. magazine so i'm very excited about that and the website for arizona cocktail weekend is just arizona it's cocktail arizona cocktail weekend okay so they changed it because it used to be probably arizona cocktail week i'm assuming yes yep yeah. so i mean even if you go to cocktail week it'll redirect you but um we're up basically updating it every day um the whole fact of the matter it really comes down to like we start planning everything right around the holidays and and so contracts don't really get signed until the first week of January. So once that starts happening, then everything starts getting booked. Everything starts coming up on the website. And God bless Ross Simon. That man, him and Aaron DeFeo, they just opened Little Rituals, which the official grand opening is during Cocktail Weekend. Awesome. Um, you went to the friends and family or whatever last night. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. It's great to see all the support and all the love coming out there. But those two are are. You know, working a million miles an hour, and Ross is doing all the stuff on the website. So, awesome. yeah, so, he's like, I'm only working like 18 hours a day. Thing. <laughs> and so. if people want to follow you on Instagram, what's the Instagram handle? Booze Mafia. Booze Mafia. Yeah. Awesome. Hashtag <laughs> Booze Mafia. Love it. That's fantastic, Thanks so much man. For this has been me, a great guys. Yeah. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. We'll definitely do it again. Yes. Like, Absolutely. You'll, we'll get you to be a regular on the show. I would love that. And we'll have to have a fast food tasting. I will say, one last note. I mean, I keep talking about Grohante because I have a problem, but I have done a couple of really amazing wine pairing dinners with their food there through Jason Morris. It's astounding yeah what he can do i mean yeah. come on it's a taco place and it starts with the word crew cru i mean it's that's a, that it's a total play on words yeah they own it and it's fantastic so anyways awesome. thank you again we'll definitely do Th- that thank All you right. All right, john. thanks everybody All right. love listening to you cheers Bye.